All right, welcome to the Monday edition of From Aid Arbitration. Yesterday, I do about a three and a half hour episode, and after I finish my episode, I have to edit it. So when I'm editing, I listen to it, and it does not sound right. It sounds terrible. I'm like, what has happened to the sound on this thing? So I try to fix it, deleted the entire thing. Three and a half hours of talking deleted just like that. So we're going to do a Monday edition because it was about 1030 when I finished doing it. I was going to edit it. You know, if I do a three hour episode, it takes about six and a half hours because I got to edit the whole thing. I got to listen to all of it, edit it up. So it was about 1030 when I finished, lost all of it. I was like, the hell with it. I'll do it on Monday. So apologize I didn't get that out yesterday. It was a very good episode. I wish y'all could have heard it. It was pretty good. So we're going to do it today. Let me start off by telling JB thank you for his episode last week. That guy is money. I told y'all he's money. He's good. He's good. I'd put him up against anybody. I mean, he has the mind like a steel trap. He can remember those M documents. I call him all the time and just bug the complete hell out of him about M documents, step fours, and he can he can name them just like that. And so I appreciate him coming in here. He has a true love for city letter carriers he does and um i think it shows but i'm lucky to have him as my formal a i'm real lucky also want to say uh, thank you give a shout out to we talked about having a core group i get probably and this is no joke probably about 100 emails messages a week and i don't mind it y'all email me all the time i don't care i'm gonna help as much as i can but i probably get about 100 and so i will send some to this core group and and it's like a bunch of piranhas if i send them discipline before i can send a message saying take a look at this i've got about 30 replies what's wrong with this discipline uh, if it's a contractual issue i'll put it up and i'll be typing hey guys take a look at this here and there'll be 30 replies on it already i'm like dear god let me finish explaining to you but <laughs> They're they're extremely gifted as far as the contract is concerned. I wanted to give them a shout-out, too, because they're behind the scenes. They help me so much. Uh, Jim Rootsy. Jim Rootsy. I hope I'm saying that last name right, baby. But I uh, finally got to meet him in Chicago. I've seen this guy on Facebook answer questions, and I'm like, one day, Lord, please let me be as smart as that guy. <laughs> he is He is talented. But Jim Rootsy, uh, man, I appreciate you. Uh, Joe DeRosers, I've talked about him before. Joe DeRosers, met him in Chicago finally. Thought he was about 15 years old. I thought it was some child coming up to get an autograph. Uh, but it was him. He's uh, <laughs> We'll call him the babyface assassin. Joe DeRosers, very talented guy. John Poskin, I've talked about him before. Extremely knowledgeable, very direct you know how those northerners are they're very direct to the point blunt but uh, i appreciate him more than he knows um and i'm going to have him on uh, I'm, I'm figuring this out to where i can have people on the outside he's very very good very good good advocate as well mark murphy another guy that is extremely talented you know i watched him on facebook answering things and, and the reason i like these guys is because somebody has a question they answer the question and get out of there Here's what you need. Bam. We're not going to talk down to people. 
We're not going to say idiotic things to people. They answer questions, get the hell out of there, and that's what I like about them. So, guys, I appreciate y'all for helping me. A lot of the things that I, I send people is because of that group of people I just told you about. So I really appreciate them. This week's episode, I'm changing course. I'm changing course because there are things that have come up that are, are infuriating to me. And, um, and we're going to deal with it today. It's going to be one topic, the 3996. JB's done an episode. I've touched on it a little bit, but we're going to do an episode today solely for the 3996. I'm going to read some things to you. I'm going to let you listen to some things that people send me. Uh, a lot of step fours, some arbitration sites, a lot of contractual language. We're going to cover the 3996 in its entirety today. And be done with it, okay? First off, I want to play something for you. It's a soundtrack. And I want you to tell me what movie this came off of. Even though you can't tell me, I can't hear your answer. But I want you to listen to this and figure out what movie this came from. All right, y'all know what movie that came off of? Braveheart. <laughs> Anybody figure that out? Braveheart. My favorite movie. Of all the movies, Braveheart is my favorite. I love that movie. And what it's about, if you, if you don't know, it's about William Wallace. He's a Scottish warrior. This is back in the late 1200s, early 1300s. And... Scotland has been overrun by the English, and specifically Longshanks, if you remember. And so what happens is, is every time they start to fight, they meet for battle. Now, it's pouring down rain outside and lightning, so hopefully that won't mess me up. But it, when every time that they get on the battlefield to fight, they'll meet out in the middle, just a group of them, and the English will buy off the leaders of the 
Scottish warriors. They, they're, they're called clans, C-L-A-N-S, clans. So the leaders of these clans will meet up in the middle of the battlefield, and the English will buy them off. They'll say, hey, we'll give you titles, lands, monies, all these things, and they'll, they'll accept the terms, and they will leave, and leave their people left in slavery, in poverty, under tyranny, and they will leave their people like that. Of course, they've got all these monies, these lands, titles, and things, but their people have been left abandoned. So William Wallace, he says, enough is enough. Now, if you know the story, they kill his wife, kind of get him involved. But he says, enough is enough. We're not doing that anymore. I'm about freedom. I'm about getting my people out from underneath this tyranny, which is the English dictator, Longshanks. So they meet for this huge battle, the, the first big battle. Right. And so here goes the leaders of the clans. They go out there and here goes the leaders of the English uh, army. And they go out there in the middle and they're talking all this stuff. William Wallace, he comes up late. Right. And he leaves his people and he goes out into the middle. And he starts riding around the English, instigating them, bumping up into them. And so the leaders of the clans, they're like, this is William Wallace, you know, kind of like they're embarrassed of him. And so the English guy, he's like, here's my terms. And William Wallace, he's like, no, here's my terms. You're going to leave this battlefield, and you're going to stop along the way, and you're going to apologize to all of my countrymen for rape, murder, tyranny, all these things that you've done to them. You're going to stop, and each one you're going to apologize. And so the guy, he starts speaking up. He's like, before you do that, before I let you leave, you're going to get off your horse and you're going to bend over in front of my army and kiss your own ass. And that's what he says. And so the English, they leave, you know, they head off. And so the leaders of the clans look at William Wallace and he's like, they're like, guess he wasn't used to that. or guess he wasn't expecting that, you know? And so they go back and they fight. The most important part of that was before William Wallace headed out to the middle when the clans, the leaders of the clans were out there, bar, you know, bargaining off their people's freedom. William Wallace tells his army, I'm going out here. And they say, you know, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going to go pick a fight. He says, I'm going to go pick a fight. With the overwhelming odds. Sure death. This guy has... The cojones to say, I'm going to go pick a fight with these people. Do you know why he did that? For his people. He did that for his people. The only thing he cared about was the freedom of his people, to get them out from underneath tyranny. That's all he cared about. Hey, shop stewards. Today, on this episode, we're picking a fight. Okay? I'm speaking to only shop stewards. Today, shop stewards, we're picking a fight because we have been subjugated by managers and supervisors in the Postal Service. We have been subjugated to tyranny. I'm seeing it. It's overwhelming, the things that I'm seeing that are happening on these workroom floors. I'm going to play something for you in a second that came from the workroom floor, and I'm going to read some stuff to you. But we have been subjugated to management's tyranny too long. Too long. Today, we're going to pick a fight. 
All right? Now, that's to my shop stewards. Formal A's, branch presidents, DRT, RGA's, RAA's, business agents office, national level. We're going to pick a fight down here. Do not fuck it up. Do not. Have our back, okay? That's the only thing I ask is you have our back. We're going to pick a fight down here with management because we're tired of their shit. We're tired of this tyranny, okay? And our fight is the 8190. That's our weapon, okay? That's our weapon is the 8190. We're going to pick a fight here today over these 3996s and the abuse of my carriers, the abuse of my brothers and sisters. We're picking a fight. You have our back. Don't abandon us, okay? That's all I ask. We're going to fight down here. We're starting the fight. Don't run from us. All right? When I worked at the jail, it was a long time ago. I remember this night specifically because of uh, of how stressful it was. <laughs> but uh, I worked midnights, like I said. And I was the lead officer on the third floor. And I thought the third floor was the, the most dangerous floor. Fifth floor and third floor were the most dangerous to me. But third floor, you had uh, A cell, which was two-man cells. B cell, which was eight-man cells. C cell and D cell, which was two-man cells. And when one night my supervisor, he calls me. And I'm out on the floor, and I hear this knock on my control room window. And this the guy working the control room is holding the phone up to me. So I go in there and get on the phone. And it's my supervisor, and he says, hey, I need you to do something. He says, there's an inmate on your floor that is not supposed to be there. Classification, accidentally put him on there, and, and he's not supposed to be on your floor. I said, okay. He said, Corey. Be very careful with this guy. Be very careful. He's a cop killer. Uh, He was arrested earlier that day. Uh, He had robbed somebody. They were looking for him. He was hiding in the bed of a truck. When the policeman looked over in the bed of the truck, he shot him and killed him. He said he's a cop killer, extremely dangerous. He said be very careful with him. He said go in there. Do not tell him he's going to Max because that's where they're taking him. Don't tell him he's going to Max. Uh, just tell him that you're having to move him off your floor and we'll be waiting for him in the sally port. Uh, he said, but if all of us go in there, he's going to know what's up. Now, this guy was huge. He was about 6'7", about 275, 280. Big guy. So I get another officer and we go in there, you know, turn on the lights because they're asleep, obviously. And I'm calling his name. I'm not, I don't know who he is. I've never seen him. So I'm calling his name. And I hear him say, yeah. And he's on the bottom bunk. If you go in the cell, he's on the the left-hand side, bottom bunk. I said, hey, man. I said, "Uh, got some orders. You got to move. I said, you need to pack up your stuff. He said, I'm not moving. (laughs) I said, well, yeah, you're going to move. I said, hurry up now. I said, "Uh, we got to get you off this floor. You're not supposed to be on this floor. I'm not going. I said, well, I promise you you're going. Now, there's one of two ways you're going. You're going your way or you're going my way. I said, but you're not going to be on this floor in five minutes. 
you're going to be gone. He said, y'all are sending me to Max, and I ain't going to Max. I said, I don't know where you're going. I said, I just know that I got a, a, a moose slip, and, you, and you're, you're leaving. He said, well, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not going. I said, that's fine. I said, so I'll be sending your stuff up later, but you're leaving. So he gets his feet, puts his leg, you know, his legs off the bed and his feet on the floor. And I can see the enormity of this guy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I look over at the other guard, you know, like we're fixing a scrap now. And so he looks up, head is huge. I wish I had his head full of pennies. I'd be rich. He had a massive head on him. And uh, he said, well, I guess you got to do what you got to do. I said, I guess so. Well, I hear an uh, inmate behind me say, oh, shit. So I don't know if another inmate's gotten down, going to get involved. So when he says, oh, shit, I look around. The other guard, he's gone. <laughs> he took off, man. He ran. And so it's just me and big boy now, right? And uh, the guy says, well, it looks like your help left. I said, I didn't ask him to come in here. No way. I said, that's just one less person that has to write a report. So I start walking towards him, knowing that he would smash me if he got up. So I just start walking towards him. He jumps up and fuck all this, you know, gets his stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we leave and we get him moved without any incident. But uh, I remember when they came and got him, my supervisor gets off the elevator and they put him in there. There's about four or five of them that get him. They put him in there. And uh, the elevator door shutting, and I stopped the elevator door, and I hold it open. I said, hang on just a second. So I call out that guard's name. And he comes around there, and I said, hey, talk to my, I'm talking to my supervisor. I said, hey, I said, take him with you. And what are you talking about? I said, I don't need a chicken shit coward on my floor. Take him with you. What happened? I said, motherfucker ran. Take him, take him with you. I don't need him. I do it by myself up here. I don't need him. So he starts trying to make excuses why he left. And I just told him, I said, you don't ever leave another officer when some shit's going down. I said, you always have somebody's back. Regardless of how scared you are, you always have their back. Don't you ever run. I said, but now you're a coward and I can't have you on my floor. So they took him and they put him on another floor and sent me somebody else. We have cowards in position of our union that don't need to be there. We have cowards in positions of authority as far as formal reps, as far as presidents, right? As far as people in the business agent's office. I get messages that y'all wouldn't believe about presidents that refuse to stand up for their carriers, formal A's that refuse to advance legitimate grievances. And I'll read some of it to you here in just a second. We have cowards amongst us in our presence. We cannot win what we're trying to do with cowards in our ranks. William Wallace and Braveheart, he would beg them, unite the clans. Unite us. Because he knew that that's the only way they could win is if they were united on every front. From the leaders all the way down to the peasants. We're fixing a scrap right here. And he said, unite us, because if you unite us, we'll win. And they turned their back on him, and he ended up getting killed. I hope you hadn't seen it. Sorry. But, and then at the very end, they united, and they beat the English, right? 
That's what we have to do as a union. We have to be united. If we've got cowards amongst us, we will lose. Okay? Shop stewards, we're fixing to, to pick a fight down here. Formal A's branch presidents, don't be cowards. Okay? Do not be cowards. We need to, y'all to be united with us. It has to be united front if we're going to get done what we need to get done. Okay? I'm going to read some stuff to you, and then I'm going to play something. But this is one of the things that I'm talking about. Is a, a gentleman sent this to me, and I'm not going to say his name, and I'm not going to say where he's from. But he says, Sir, in this installation, we are a suburb of this installation. And an AO in the branch there. Our leadership in our branch isn't very aggressive, to put it in a nice way. Great people, but tend to settle too easily. For example, we had a recent stand-up talk telling everyone to drop and go parcels and to leave them on a porch unless they require a signature. I grieve this with the remedy that management remind the carriers, and to have all city carriers follow the M41. My former lay and branch president did nothing with that grievance and just told me to wait until discipline is issued. And then he goes on with some other stuff. That is cowardice amongst our ranks right there. It is not a disciplinary issue. Look, I told you when these memos come out, they're going to have, we're going to have mayhem. I told you all that. Watch management during this period of time try to steal and cut and cheat us as much as they can. One week before the numbers start back up, September 1, right? One week before that, they give a stand-up talk in this gentleman's station saying, here's how we're going to deliver parcels from now on. Knock and drop. That is a violation of the M41 handbook. Remember that episode I had on that, where Jay, the grievances in on FromAidArbitration.com? That is a contractual violation that has to be grieved because it is directly affecting the way we deliver our mail. That is negatively affecting our route times. We are trying to fight for every second. And this gentleman files a grievance on something that is going to cost us dearly. And his formal A and branch president drops the damn ball. That is cowardice in our ranks. They are negatively affecting our brothers and sisters when they do that. And we bent over and took it from them. That's what I'm talking about. When I say unite the clans, when I'm talking about shit like that, that's what I'm talking about. We have got to fight on every front. Every front we fight. From the top all the way down. I'm down on the workroom floor, man, and I'm fixing to fight. Okay, I'm telling y'all that. With the 8190. Anything that comes my way, I'm filing a grievance on it, and I'm fighting. Guys above us, damn it, you fight for us. You fight for us. And if you're too chicken shit to do that, step down. Step down. I know you got a cush little job probably as branch president. Step the fuck down because you're worthless to us, okay? If your shop steward's not doing his job, vote his ass out. If your branch president ain't doing their job, vote their ass out. If your business agent isn't doing their job, vote their asses out. We're in a fight down here on this ground level. We're on a fi- in a fight. 
We need to know that you're going to fight with us. We're not asking much. We're going to do all the legwork down here. Okay? We're the grunts. We're going to do all the legwork. Don't abandon us like that guard did me when shit hit the fan. Don't abandon us. Be there with us, okay? I'm going to play something for you. And then I'm going to read something that a gentleman wrote. And uh, and we're going to get into the 3996. It's going to be a lot of reading, a lot of step fours, okay? Stuff like that. So just bear with me. But we're going to conquer the 3996 today. Now, what you're about to hear is the workroom floor. Now, we're in a 3996 portion now. I gave my little rah-rah speech earlier. We're in the 3996 portion now, okay? Because here's where here's where we're picking a fight, okay? Here's where we're going to do our job as shop stewards. We're picking a fight here because I'm sick of this shit. And uh, so this is on the workroom floor. And this individual sent me this. And... Um, I'm going to play it for you in its entirety. It's long, and and you're not going to hear all of it because I edited it out. I'm, I'm, it's long. I'm going to edit it just so you hear the parts. But this, this conversation lasted for six minutes, okay? Now, I'm going to edit a lot of this out so you're not going to hear all of it, but you'll hear what you need to hear, and, and hopefully this storm isn't affecting it, but it's it's loud out there. But this is this is the workroom floor. This is the manager and the carrier talking about the 3996, okay? There's going to be two of them. I'm going to play two of them. Here's the first one. I'm not done yet. What do you want me to do? You're not done yet. I couldn't get done at 8. Well, it was my purpose. We never all the nails be back at 8. You didn't know, right? Can't do both. Yeah. You want me to go deliver it? Well, I told you, I already gave your instructions to deliver all the mail back to me. Yeah, I was a few different things. Alright, I'm gonna go deliver all the mail. 
Is that what I told you to do? Yeah. You told me two different things. I told you to deliver all your mail and be back in eight hours. What? It's eight hours right now. Do you want me to deliver it? I've given you your instructions five times. I mean, I can't make it any clearer. Do you want me to write it on paper? Yeah. I mean, wait and see her to say it. What should I hear? I don't think you heard it. I think you did. You hear? Is that from your left hand? Yeah, I will see you tomorrow, man. Alright. <laughs> yeah, can you write it down for me? Do you want me to deliver the mail? I've said it five times, what you need to do. Alright, I'm going to go deliver the mail. Alright, that's the first one. And that pisses me off to no end when I hear that shit. When I say we're going to pick a fight, that's the reason why we're going to pick a damn fight right there. You've got an asshole manager that's sitting here telling this young man, I've given your instructions five times, deliver all the mail and be back in eight. He tells him over and over again, hey, it's eight hours now. I still got mail out there. What do you want me to do? I've already told you what to do. What an asshole that guy is. Refuse to tell him what to do. He said, would you want me to go deliver the mail? I've already told you what to do. Deliver the mail and be back in eight. Well, those are unclear instructions. Oh, they're very clear instructions. That's why we're picking a fight here today. Because of that son of a bitch right there. Okay? Listen, and I'm going to read something to you in a second. You won't believe. We're in a fight with management, whether we want to be or not. Okay? They're coming after us, whether we want them to or not. It's here. It's on us. So we're either going to have to decide we're going to fight back or we're going to get run over. I choose to pick a fight. I choose to start grieving every damn thing that they do until they back the fuck off of us. I'm going to play you another one. Same person now. Same person. Listen to this jack leg. Talk to him. This is another person. Today you've got 1273 DPS, 23 bigs. You've got 176 flats. And you've got 102 letters. Relieve time says 9.05. Your return time says 16.31 on pet. 
that one <clears throat> we're going to cover all of this in a second but here's a an, an asshole coming up to this kid saying your leave time according to pet is this your leave time according to dois is this and your demonstrated performance is this all three of those are contractual violations all three of those and this guy's saying, okay, well, I'm going to need 45 minutes and gave him an explanation. Maybe it wasn't good enough, but I gave him an explanation. Either deny it or approve it, and let's move the fuck on. Okay, so you're saying I don't need 45 minutes? No. Then what you're going to do, sir, is put denied on here or disapproved on here and let me get the fuck on. And then I'm going to call back and say, hey, look, that 45 minutes I needed, I'm still going to need it. What do you want me to do? If you don't believe me, sir, if you're saying my demonstrated performance is such and such, take your lazy ass and go follow me on the street. That's what you need to do. I get sick and tired of these chicken shit supervisors and managers that the only time they risk injury is falling out of their chair, telling me how to do my job based off of data that they know is incorrect and unusable. That's what we just heard. You heard this postmaster telling him, I've given you instructions five times. They're unclear. They're crystal clear. No, they're not. Because I still got mail out there in the truck. What do you want me to do with it? I told you what to do. Look here, dipshit. I need clear instruction. Now, don't do that on the working floor. But it pisses me off when I hear that shit. My people being done like that. And then some supervisor coming up there saying, well, according to Pet, I would immediately tell him, I don't care what Pet says. Well, according to Doas, I don't care what Doas says. Your demonstrated performance, I have no street standard. So who gives a shit about demonstrated performance? 
What you're trying to do is give me a set standard. You're trying to give me a street standard when you say demonstrated performance. That's what you're doing. I don't give a damn about that because I don't have a street standard, and I'm going to cover that in a second. We're picking a fight here today against assholes like this here, okay? I'm going to read something that somebody wrote. It was beautiful. Beautiful. He wrote it on Facebook, and and I copied it. And I asked him, I said, hey, brother, do you mind if I, if I read this? Because it's perfect. And, and listen to what he wrote and listen to what, and, and compare it to what you just heard, okay? His name is Josh Brault. Josh Brault. And, and listen to this, how prophetic this is. <laughs> he had no idea that I was going to play this stuff, you know, when he wrote this. But listen to this. This is what he says. You're instructed to deliver all mail entrusted to you and be back in eight hours. Have you ever received an asinine instruction like this one? We just heard one, didn't we? The supervisor comes around in the morning and asks you what time you're going to be back. You tell supervisor ass clown that due to the 13 certifies, the extra 1,100 pieces of DPS above base, and the three extra feet of caseable pre-sorted flats, You'll be back at 6 p.m. and require one and a half hours of auxiliary assistance or overtime for the day. Are you out of your damn mind? You know that when CCA Carl Johnny Youngblood does that route, he's done at 2.30. I'm not authorizing overtime. You will deliver all the mail and be back by 4.30. What do we do in a situation like this? A lot of us have the tendency to become irritable and start arguing with the supervisor. I'm not arguing. I know my rights. I know my responsibilities. Most important, I know where to look to show the supervisor. I'm going to reach right into my case and pull out the trusty copy of the M41. I'm going to turn to page 10 and start reading section 131.4, which states in relevant part, it is your responsibility to verbally inform management when you're of the opinion that you'll be unable to case all mail distributed to the route, perform other required duties, and leave on schedule, or when you will be unable to complete delivery of all mail. Inform management of this well in advance of the scheduled leaving time, and not later than immediately following the final receipt of mail. Management will instruct you what to do. Complete applicable items on PS Form 3996, carry auxiliary control, if overtime or auxiliary assistance is authorized in the office or on the street. I'll then smile at the supervisor and ask for a 3996. They may bring one or they may not. If they refuse, I'll ask them to read the M39 with me. Their responsibilities. Section 122.33 states, The employee, upon request, will be provided a PS Form 3996 carrier auxiliary control after the supervisor has been verbally informed as to the reason for the request. The employee shall not be denied the form and, upon a request, a duplicate of the completed form will be provided the employee. They don't have a choice. They must provide me with a PS Form 3996. I am then going to fill out accordingly, making sure to be detailed and not vague. Heavy volume doesn't cut it. If your base DPS is 1100 and today it is 2200, write DPS double base. Management may still say that they are instructing you to deliver all the mail and be back off the clock in eight hours. I will then ask for a copy of my 3996 and tell them they have three options. At this point, they can. One, 
Approve the overtime and I'll see you at six. Number two, tell me to leave an hour and a half piece for someone else. Number three, get on your walking shoes, ass clown. We're going for a ride. If management doesn't believe my time, they have every right to ride with me. Knowing your rights and management's responsibilities makes your job a whole lot less stressful. Please, whatever you do, keep learning. And then he gives some tips on learning. That's perfect. That's perfect. We're given unclear instructions. Deliver all your mail and be back in eight. Okay? This guy came back and said, what do you want me to do with the mail? And they refused to tell him. So what do we do there? What do we do in that instance? I'm going to ask for that 3996 to be updated. I'm going to ask for a curtail slip if they don't give me clear instructions. And I'm going to put, hey, this mail in the truck, I'm fixing to bring it out and leave it. I need you to fill out this curtail slip for me, sign it for me. I mean, we're going to get down and dirty, right? We're picking a fight here today against tyranny. That's what this is for our freedom on the workroom floor. This 3996 bullshit has been age old. It's the most contentious part of our morning. It's the most contentious part of our day is dealing with the 3996 because you got assholes like the ones y'all just heard on this workroom floor. Today, we're putting an end to it. All right. We're going to go overboard educating on the 3996 today. All right. I'm going to read this other thing to you. And uh, somebody sent me this. And, and here's what we're dealing with now. This is what we're dealing with. And, and this is true. He sent me this, and this was kind of an interception where management's uh, emailing each other, and somehow we got a hold of it. I'm not going to tell the names of where it's from. But the title is, Expectation is One Minute Per Parcel. And the workload status needs to be posted daily. Okay? The title, expectation is one minute per parcel. And the workload status needs to be posted daily. Then it's from him. He's got it to a bunch of managers and courtesy copied a bunch of managers. It looks like about 270, 280 people on this email. And this is what it says. Good morning, everyone. Now, this is to about 280 people now. Good morning, everyone. Package delivery allotted time is only one minute. Remember, it's not three minutes, a minute and a half. It's one minute in all caps highlighted in yellow. Highlighted below are the mutually agreed upon times between the USPS and the NALC. Let's set the expectations. Challenge every 3996. And we need ramp up our street presence in our 3999s. Also remember to post your work hour workload daily. This is a requirement. Can y'all believe that shit? I'm going to read it one more time in case you don't believe me. Good morning, everyone. Package delivery allotted time is only one minute. Remember, it's not three minutes. A minute and a half. It's one minute. Here's what he says now. Highlighted below are the mutually Agreed upon times between the USPS and the NALC. Let's set the expectations. Challenge every 3996. And we need to ramp up our street presence in our 3999s. 
Also remember to post your workout workload daily. This is a requirement. And the times he's talking about, the mutually agreed upon times, are the times off of those memos. Loading time, 22 minutes. Unloading time, 7 minutes. Signature required scan, 3 minutes. Relay time, 135. And he's got highlighted in yellow. Delivery other scan, 1 minute. So here's a son of a bitch that has emailed about 230 people telling them that the USPS and the NALC has agreed that it's a minute per package, that that's the standard. Do y'all remember when, when these came out? And I said, expect complete mayhem. Expect management. Go back and listen if you don't believe me. Expect management to take these as standards. Because they're too damn stupid and dishonest to do anything else. They will cheat and lie all the time. I say that in every episode. Here's a perfect example. This guy's obviously a district manager or an area somebody to email 230 people. And he's going to send out a lie to his people and tell them to challenge us because of his lie. Challenge every 3996 is what he said. Based off of a known lie. He knows for a fact that those aren't standards, but he said that shit in an email. He is willing to hurt my people on a lie. In my episode when I was dealing with ergonomics, I told y'all I have seen the depths and the links that management will go to to hurt my people. I have seen it. And that email is a perfect example of that. Here's a gentleman that has sent out a known lie. There's no way he doesn't know that that's not a lie. There's no way that he's that damn stupid. Well, I take that back. He may be. But he sends out a lie to his people, 230 people. Here's the new standards. Hold them to them. And challenge every 3996 based off of a lie. So now I'm going to have somebody say that I've got uh, 10 parcels over base. Well, you got 10 minutes. Well, I, I might, you know, it might be 30 minutes. You got 10 minutes because the NALC and the USPS has agreed it's one minute per parcel. So that's 10 minutes. So I'm going to prove you 10 minutes on here. That's what we're running into. Hey, folks, we're picking a fucking fight. Okay. I'm not going to take it. And y'all better not take it. We are picking a fight today against these sorry, low-down bastards. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to educate ourselves more than we've ever been educated. Okay? We are going to be educated more than we've ever been educated. I promise you that. And we're going to fight this fight all the way up. Hey, people above us, people above us, shop stewards, Fight with us. Unite, man. We've got to unite in this fight because you see this shit right here. When JB was talking to y'all last week about that arbitration, he was telling you stories about me because I don't ever talk about me. I'm boring. But he was telling you about arbitration. That clown was in there. I don't know what he was doing talking about me. It was it was bizarre. And I remember looking back at JB like, what is this dude talking about? You know, my size, my look. How I talk, I'm like, this dude here, there's something wrong with him. But after that, we go out, and he told you this, but he lied the entire time. The entire hearing, he lied. Now, the arbitrator didn't buy it because the documentation said what it says. But he comes up to me, and he says, hey, man, are we good? I was like, what are you talking about, are we good? 
you know, me and you, are we good? I said, but besides you being a, a lying son of a bitch, I guess we're good. Oh, a lot. What are you talking about lying? I said, dude, the whole time you're in there, you lied. So to me, you're just a lying piece of shit. And that's exactly what I told him. And I told him, I said, look here, man, get out of my damn face. And he turned around and walked off. That's how I feel about everybody in management. They're lying pieces of shit. That arbitration, there were three of them on management falsifying clock rings. There were three, back to back to back. In one of those instances, management was going in and putting all the carriers on training time, waiting time, to the tune of about 600 hours of training time and we've had we didn't have 30 minutes of training time but they put in about 600 hours of training time management's b team member said that the reason all that training was happening is because of the excessive amount of accidents that the city carriers were having and area had come down and said we're going to do all this extra training and that's the reason for the training management's advocate came in and adopted that same position said the reason that there's all this training is because of the carriers having so many accidents that we've had to come in and do all this safety training they were willing to lie to the arbitrator to hurt my people they were willing to lie to the arbitrator something that was absolutely false it was zero percent supported in this file they just made it up there was nothing in the case file that said that. They just made this shit up and went into arbitration and tried to win on a lie. That's how they are. So in my closing, I pointed at labor and I said, that lady right there, Mr. Arbitrator, is a bold-faced liar. That's exactly what I said. Now, you're not supposed to call people liars in arbitration. Arbitrators don't like it. But sometimes I do what I want to do. And I said, that lady right there is a bold-faced liar, sir. I said, when they said that they were doing excessive training, that was a lie. And they lied to hurt my people. This DRT member for management is a bold-faced liar. I said, do you know how I know they're lying? I said, because any directive like that would come through me. I would get the email on that because I'm part of that email string. I would get that email that, hey, since you're the uh, district co-chair, we're going to do excessive training because of excessive accidents. I said, there's nothing in this file talking about any accidents. There's nothing in this file showing an email from anybody that they're going to start doing more training. You know why? Because they lied to you. And he blistered their ass. And that's the coin. If if y'all remember uh, that gentleman that came out with that report on management stealing our time, falsifying clockeries, and he had a bunch of arbitration sites in there. That was one of them. The arbitrator wasn't taking it. And uh, he blistered their ass. I have seen the depths and links that management will go to to hurt my people. They will lie on us for nothing. They will lie. Okay? That email where that guy sent out, it is a known lie, and he has told management, Fuck with the carriers about the 3996s. Challenge all of it because I lied to you. (laughs) That's what they think about you. That's what they think about us. He was willing to get on there and do that and lie to hurt us. That's okay. 
We're picking a fucking fight today. Here's another thing that somebody put up. It says, hello, my station issues undertime every day across the board. Is there anywhere in writing that says they have a certain way to issue the undertime? Because it seems like the same people are getting undertime every day. I was thinking undertime should be issued just like if they had to draft for overtime. Now, that's somebody who is legitimately seeking help, so I'm not going to talk about it. But if they're issuing undertime, maybe there's legitimate reasons from, from time to time. But if they're issuing undertime every day, then our station's been run over. Our station's been run over. Because you got to think that I've got 43 minutes of fixed office time with a break and 40 minutes of street time with a lunch and a break and what, and then if I have other breaks on top of that. The delivery time is, is short and, and casing time, right? Surely we're not having that much undertime. But... Please believe me when I tell you management will lie and cheat and steal to get what they want. It is not below them. It's who they are. It's their DNA. Don't be surprised when they lie and cheat and steal. Do you know whose fault it is when those things happen? It's not management's. It's ours. It's our fault. Because I'm telling you, that management is going to lie to you and steal and cheat. I'm telling you that's what they are. So if they're doing that to us, it's our fault. Because we're not holding them accountable through the grievance procedure. Right? If I was to walk up, me and you were to walk up to this machine. It's like a little robot. Okay? Got two arms, two hands. And on the machine, it has a sign that says, Please, do not touch the robot or it will slap you. And I tell you, I've seen this before. If you touch the robot, it will slap you. It's crazy, man. I mean, I don't know how it knows, but if you touch it, it'll slap you. And you reach up and touch that robot and it slaps the shit out of you. Whose fault is that? It's not the robot's fault. Hell, they got a sign on it telling you what it's going to do. It's not my fault. I told you what was going to happen if you touch it. You're the one who decided to trust it and touch it, right? You touched it and slapped the shit out of you. Management's the same way. I'm telling you now. They're low-down line son of a bitches. That email is proof positive that they will lie on you to hurt you. The arbitrations that I've been in, you wouldn't believe how they will lie to hurt my people. I'm telling you here today, they're lying, cheating bastards. Okay? I've said that probably 80 times now. <laughs> we need to understand that because I, I need you to understand that. And I need those that are in, in authority with us to understand that because we are fixing to pick a fight. Okay. On these 39.96s. Now I'm going to get into a lot of stuff here. Okay. A lot of stuff. We're going to cover 39.96, the contractual language, our requirements, the 1571, the curtail slips, which are a must during this process, a must. We're going to cover that at length. I've got 20 step fours that I'm going to read to you. Get your pen and paper ready, okay? Uh, we're going to get all those. I've got some arbitration sites that will help you, okay, as far as unclear instructions. 1571 is the importance of those, all right? Unauthorized curtailment of mail. If you just come back and say, well, they told me to bring it back, I'm leaving. Uh, I've told you about that. Don't ever do that. Make sure. 
that we are uh, covering ourselves under that. Okay, uh, we're going to talk about all that. All right, a uh, lot of reading. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's going to be a lot of reading. But we're we're going to address it all today. All right, we're going to have the episode amongst all episodes on the 3996 because I think that. Um, well, I don't think I know that management's going to start attacking us with Dois and Pet. You heard that as as proof, as evidence. I would put that in as Union One if we're in arbitration, uh, where they said that your notice, your leave time according to Pet is this, your leave time according to Dois is this. That's going to be rampant, challenging our thirty nine ninety six. I have evidence of that. It's in that email. That's evidence. I would have that as Union Exhibit Two. Okay that uh, they're going to challenge 3996. It's based off of, of fabricated standards, okay? Uh, they're going to talk to us about demonstrated performance. That's trying to set a street standard for me. Uh, so we're going to cover all of that today, okay? Now, shop, new shop stewards, I just talked for an hour, and I'm sorry. I, I had to rant because, damn it, I've been mad all day because of that uh, that voicemail that was sent to me, uh, that poor guy. When I hear my people being done like that, it sets me off like you wouldn't believe. I, I wished I was on that workroom floor for that kid. I wished I was. And when I say you got to fight, you know, I'm talking about the 8190, obviously. We've got to file grievances. If you've got a tyrant in your station, if you've got a bully in your station, listen to me. I want to meet him. I'm telling you that I want to meet him and where I will meet him is in the arbitration. I need to see this guy or this woman. If they're a tyrant or a bully, please file a grievance so I can come talk to them. That is the advocate's dream. They're like lions. You seen a lion when it attacks something, what does it do? It goes straight for that throat. It's going to suffocate them to death. That's an advocate in arbitration, man. We're going to suffocate management under their own lies. We're going straight for the throat. You're a badass. I need to see you. I want to talk to you. I've dealt with them. They're a dime a dozen. You're a hard ass. You want to bully my carriers? Come talk to me, baby. Okay? I'll be the one in the suit sitting over there on the other side of those bitches that are in management. File those 8190s. We're picking a fight today. File them. Okay, that's the only way I can talk to them. That's the only way I can meet them. And I want to talk to them, I promise. Okay, that's the last of that. <laughs> Let's get to reading. It's going to be forever. Reporting requirements. Now, um, I'm going to read a bunch of this. It's contractual language. It's things that I've gotten off of um, the postal record. And I've read some of these before. And I'll read them. I may do another episode in two weeks on the 3996. And I may do one next month on the 3996. But we need to be ready, especially with these new memos. We need to be ready. You saw what they're going to do to us. Reporting requirements, and this is from Mr. Brian Renfro, okay? And this is January of 2018. This is Mr. Brian Renfro. This is what he says. Now, I'm going to read some things. They're going to be redundant and the same. I don't care because we're going to have it down pat. We're going to memorize it today. Reporting requirements in PS Form 3996. The beginning of a new year is often a good time to get back to basics and sharpen our focus on how we deal with situations we face on a regular basis. 
for letter carriers, the morning routine of estimating workload and, when necessary, requesting auxiliary assistance is one of those situations. Handbook M39, Handbook M41, and several national-level settlements have defined a process that both letter carriers and managers are required to follow when a letter carrier cannot complete his or her daily assignment within their normally scheduled time frame. Some detailed advice that covers a variety of situations on this subject can be found in the DOAS projections, PS Form 3996, and PS Form 1571 section, beginning on page 83 of the NALC City Care Assistant Resource Guide. The guide was created for CCAs, but this section is applicable to all letter carriers. It is available in the Resources section of the NALC website under Workplace Issues. Some basic advice on how letter carriers can best handle these situations is below. Number one, verbally inform your manager. Now have your pen and paper ready, okay? We're going through a lot of step fours and a lot of contractual language, okay? So have your pen and paper ready. Verbally inform your manager. Sections 131.41 and 131.42 of Handbook M41 require you to verbally inform your manager when you believe you cannot carry all the mail distributed to your route in eight hours or within your normal schedule. Number two, request PS Form 3996. Section 122.33 of Handbook M39 requires the manager to provide you with a PS Form 3996 when you request it. When you request a 3996, no matter what your manager says to you, say, I'm requesting a 3996. And that's what that young man should have done in that conversation. When that guy keeps going, pet, doe us, all this, he says, I need 45 minutes. Well, you don't need it because I'm going to have a 3996, please, sir. You don't need it. Contractually, you're obligated to give it to me. You can disapprove it if you want, but can I have my 3996? And let them disapprove it. And we're going to talk about what we're going to do after that, okay? I'm requesting a 3996 and explain the reasons for your request. And that's what that kid did. He may not liked it, but he told him. If you're denied the form, immediately request to see your shop steward. Now, shop stewards, listen to me. Please. Please understand, we're, we're picking a fight. And if that's not something you want to do, if that's not in your heart, if that's not in your makeup, I get it. I do. Not everybody's like that, man. Not every, they, they don't want to get in that fight. I get that. Step down. Quit. We're, we're picking a fight here. And I need to know that you're ready to fight. If you're not, if that's not your makeup, Find somebody else that'll fight, and you deliver mail. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? Number three, fill out the form completely. It is important that you fill out the form completely. In the reason for the request box, write down why you believe you cannot complete your assignment in eight hours. Fully explain the reasons for your request. General comments such as heavy volume or route overburden are not enough in this section. Sometimes managers will tell you that you don't need the requested overtime or auxiliary assistance because of what DOAS projects for your route. We heard that. Y'all heard that on, on the voice recording. Exactly what it's the same MO. It's the same template they use. Okay. It's nothing new. We're going to beat their asses though. I'm going to read that again. 
Sometimes managers will tell you that you don't need the requested overtime or auxiliary assistance because of what DOAS projects for your route. Multiple national level settlements, M1664 and M1769, and I'm going to read all of these. Every, every document I'm talking about, I'm going to read them to you have held that these time projections are not the sole determinant of your daily workload. Nothing can replace the opinion of the professional letter carrier. Simply provide your best estimate and the reasons why and move on to step four. Here's step four. Keep your cool. Don't lose your cool. While this process can be frustrating, you will do nothing to help yourself by becoming angry. If your manager denies your request for overtime or assistance, tell him or her that you will do your best. Politely ask what you should do if you are not able to deliver all the mail and return to the office when they want you back. 5. Don't argue. There is no reason to argue with your manager at this point. The best thing you can do is tell your manager that you will do your best and ask for a copy of your 3996. Section 122.33 of Handbook M39 requires managers to provide you with a copy if you request it. Okay? I'm going to read that again. Section 122.33 of the Handbook M39 requires managers to provide you with a copy if you request it. Talked about that earlier. Finish your office work and go to the street. All you have to do is your best. Work professionally. Never compromise your safety or skip breaks or lunches to make it back to the office by a certain time. Number six, don't make decisions. Letter carriers get paid to deliver mail. Managers get paid to make decisions. If you realize that you will not be able to deliver all the mail and make it back to the office by the time the manager approved, you should do everything you can to put any further decisions in the manager's hands. The best way to handle this situation is to call your supervisor per local instructions. If you have no local instructions, try calling around two hours before the time you are scheduled, approved on the PS Form 3996, to be back. Let your supervisor know where you are and how long you think it will take you to finish. Ask whether they want you to bring the mail back or finish the route. Follow whatever instructions your supervisor or manager gives you. If the supervisor or manager refuses to tell you what to do with the rest of the mail, or if you can't finish your assigned duties in the amount of time initially specified by your supervisor, you should return to the office in the allotted time and ask for further instructions. And that's exactly what that young man did, but they refused to give him clear instructions. Again, you should follow whatever instructions your supervisor or manager gives you. I thank all letter carriers for their hard work during the holiday season. All right, here's another one. From Mr. Brian Renfro, and this is July of 2021. That was back in 2018. And we're going to go over the same stuff, okay? But we're, I'm just what I'm going to do. Reporting requirements in PS Form 3996. One of the responsibilities nearly all letter carriers have on a daily basis is the process of estimating their workload each morning. When a carrier is of the opinion that he or she cannot complete the assignment in the regularly scheduled time, Letter carriers and managers have responsibilities to fulfill. Every few years, I've written about this topic and offered advice for letter carriers on how to best handle this routine. Handbook M39, Handbook M41, and several national-level settlements have defined a process that both letter carriers and managers are required to follow when a letter carrier cannot complete his or her daily assignment within their normally scheduled time frame. 
Some detailed advice that covers a variety of situations on this subject can be found in the DOAS projections, PS Form 3996 and PS Form 1571, section beginning on page 85 of the 2019 NALC Letter Carrier Resource Guide. It also is available in the Resources section of the NALC website under Workplace Issues. Some basic advice on how letter carriers can best handle these situations is below. 1. Orally inform your manager. Sections 131.41 and 131.42 of Handbook M41 require you to orally inform your manager when you believe you cannot carry all the mail distributed to your route in 8 hours or within your normal schedule. 2. Request PS Form 3996. Section 122.33 of Handbook M39 requires the manager provide you with a PS Form 3996 when requested. That's critical. When you request a 3996, no matter what your manager says to you, say, I am requesting a 3996, and explain the reasons for your request. If you're denied the form, immediately request to see your shop steward. Number three, fill out the form completely. It is important that you fill out the form completely. In the Reason for Request box, write down why you believe you cannot complete your assignment in eight hours. Fully explain the reasons for your request. General comments such as heavy volume or route overburden are not enough in this section. Sometimes managers will tell you that you don't need the requested overtime or auxiliary assistance because of what DOAS projects for your route. Multiple national level settlements, 1664 and 1769, have held that these time projections are not the sole determinant of your daily workload. Nothing can replace the opinion of the professional letter carrier. Simply provide your best estimate and the reasons why and move on to the next step. Now, let me stop. Right there is another thing that ticks me off. Management knows that they cannot come up to me with DOAS and PET and tell me that those are my projected leave times. They know that. You've got this email with this clown sitting there saying, one minute per parcel. So that's going to exacerbate that argument on the workroom floor, right? We're already having enough time with these assholes where they're coming around with Dois and Pet. Now you've got an email from a clown saying, hey, one minute per parcel. Challenge every thirty nine ninety six. In other words, now I've got another problem on the workroom floor. You are instigating an altercation on the workroom floor when you sent that email out. You're intentionally instigating a confrontation with me and my manager when you sent that email out. And you know that you did. And you did it under the premise of a lie. And so now here I've got this clown coming around to me saying, Dois and Pet said this. Well, I've got these parcels. You get one minute per parcel. So you're attempting to instigate an altercation with me based on a lie. And they want us to keep our cool. We've got to keep our cool, right? Right? But we're down here on this workroom floor. And this shit like this here comes up. Challenge every 3996. We're already being challenged with Dois and Pet. They know that they can't use it. We're going to do it anyway. And it's really going to start ramping up now. I told you all that. It's going to start ramping up now that September 1 is here. You saw that dude saying the, the knock and drop on the parcels, and we dropped the ball terribly on that. You got this person say undertime, undertime, undertime. You got this guy saying demonstrated performance. They're trying to set street standards for us. 
We are in a tornado, a whirlwind, a hurricane of misinformation. That's the reason we have to educate ourselves. That's the reason we have to educate ourselves. Look at everything that we're dealing with right now. Just, just since these memos have come out, the one-hour office time that we're fighting like hell, the window of operation and dispatch of value, they've already done, always done that, but we're dealing with that more and more. The 3996 is the fight for those. You see that in this email where he says, challenge them all. And here's a lie that you're going to take to the floor with you on the one minute per parcel. Dois and Pet, the stop and drop, saying that these times are now standards and not parameters. That's what we're dealing with on the workroom floor every day. Okay? That's what we're, we're dealing with. So what are we going to do? We're going to gird our damn loins, baby, and we're going to get ready to scrap. We're going to gird our fucking loins, man, and we're going to we're going to get ready. It's a difficult challenge. But we're going to be ready for it. We're going to educate ourselves. We're going to smile and we're going to hand in 8190s after 8190 after 8190. We're going to hand a stack of them son of a bitches up until we get these bastards off of us. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay? That's exactly what's going to happen. You want to come after me and my people? Bitch, come on. Let's go. That's how I feel. You want to come after mine? Baby, come on. Let's get it. Let's get it. We'll spend all damn day, all eight hours in that damn office meeting on grievances. I don't care. I don't care. And you want to be an asshole? We'll see you in arbitration, baby. Be one in there. Come in there with your chest bowed out. And see if it don't get cracked. Number four, keep your cool. <laughs> keep your cool. <laughs> Please keep your cool on the workroom floor. I'm just ranting right here because I can. Keep your cool on the workroom floor. That kid who did that on those audios was perfect. He kept his cool. What do you want me to do? Even against management, they refused to tell him. Well, what do you want me to do? I've got this. He kept his cool. Good for him. Good for him. I wish I could talk to him. While this process can be frustrating, you will do nothing to help yourself by becoming angry. That's exactly right. Because management managers, they're the only ones that can put us off the clock. We can't put them off the clock. Right? We can't put management off the clock. They can put us off the clock if we go off in there. Don't, don't get angry with them, okay? If your manager denies your request for overtime or assistance, tell him or her that you will do your best. Politely ask what you should do if you're not able to deliver all the mail. And that... That kid on that audio was perfect. And return to the office when he or she wants you back. Don't argue. There is no reason to argue with your manager at this point. The best thing you can do is tell your manager that you will do your best and ask for a copy of the 3996. Finish your office work and go to the street. All you have to do is your best. Work professionally. Never compromise your safety or skip breaks or lunches to make it back to the office by a certain time. Six, don't make decisions. Letter carriers get paid to deliver mail. Managers get paid to make decisions. If you realize that you will not be able to deliver all the mail and make it back to the office by the time the manager is approved, you should do everything you can to put any further decisions in the manager's hands. The best way to handle this situation is to call your supervisor, per local instructions. 
If you have no local instructions, try calling approximately two hours before the time you're scheduled, approved on a PS1-3996, to be back. Let your supervisor know where you are and how long you think it will take you to finish. Ask whether he or she wants you to bring the mail back or finish the route. Follow whatever instructions your supervisor or manager gives you. If the supervisor or manager refuses to tell you what to do with the rest of the mail, or if you can't finish your assigned duties in the amount of time initially specified by your supervisor, you should return to the office in the allotted time and ask for further instructions. Again, you should follow whatever instructions your supervisor or manager gives you. Very good. And I'm going to quit going off. I don't want to be that to be a distraction. I get uptight. I get upset when I hear my people getting abused like that. And I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to have to quit that because I don't want it to be a distraction from me trying to educate if I keep going off on those rants. But um, I just, I'm sorry. All right. Now, here's something that I got. Uh, I copied these. This is off of Long Island Merge Branch 6000. Long Island Merge Branch 6000. This was on the internet. So I just pulled it off. I thought it was some very good advice. Okay. And I'm going to read it. Reporting requirements and PS Form 3996. While performing office visits, I am constantly asked by the carriers about the PS Form 3996. Many have expressed their frustrations regarding the form. I have explained the importance of filling out the form and how regularly filling it out can assist you in creating documentation to get credit for the future route count and inspections, as in line item 21 for office time. Currently, there are no inspections scheduled for our area. However, now is a good time prior to the route count inspection to get back to basics and sharpen our focus on how we deal with situations we face on a regular basis. For letter carriers, the morning routine of estimating our workload and requesting auxiliary assistance overtime is one of those situations. The Handbook M39 and Handbook M41, along with several national-level settlements, have defined a process that both letter carriers and managers are required to follow when a letter carrier cannot complete his or her daily assignment within their normally scheduled time frame. Some basic advice on how letter carriers can best handle these situations are listed below. And we're going to get right back into them, okay? Number one, verbally inform your manager, section 131.41 and 131.42 of Handbook M41 require you to verbally inform your manager when you believe you cannot carry all the mail distributed to your route in eight hours or within your normal schedule. Now, all this is repetitive and redundant, and that's exactly what I want. I want it to be to where you say, God, I get it. That's that's when we know, <laughs> when we can say, God, I get it. But we're picking a fight here, right? So I want us to be trained and, and, and ready. You know, you don't think that the best boxers that ever lived got there from training once every two or three weeks. They train daily. Right? That's how they came the best. Same thing with us. You want to be the best? Train your mind daily. Learn those things. Train your mind daily and you'll be the best. Just like those boxers. Okay? Sugar Ray Leonard, Thomas Hearns, Marvin Hagler, Muhammad Ali. Those guys didn't become the best of the best because they trained once a month. It was their craft. It was what they did. Okay? That's some old school boxers for y'all. That shows you my age. I'm 53, so I went back away on you for, you for you young kids. Number two, request PS Form 3996. Section 122.33 of Handbook M39 
requires the miner to provide you with a PS Form 3996 when you request it. When you request a 3996, no matter what your manager says to you, say, I'm requesting a 3996, and explain the reasons for your request. If you're denied the form, immediately request to see your shop steward. Number three, fill out the form completely. It is important that you fill out the form completely. In the reason for the request box, write down why you believe you cannot complete your assignment in eight hours. Fully explain the reasons for your request. General comments such as heavy volume or route overburden are not enough in this section. Here are a few examples. Excessive accountables. Collating mail. Excessive DPS, FSS. Excessive parcels. Small parcel and roll, spurs. Not feeling well, to name a few. Remember the time you're requesting is a projection, right? It's not an exact estimate. There's no such thing. Because management will say, you, you asked for an hour and you went an hour and ten. Well, it's an estimate. Okay? It's not a, there's no such thing as an exact estimate. All right? So he says, remember, the time you're requesting is a projection. Sometimes managers will tell you that you do not need the requested overtime or auxiliary assistance based on DOAS projections for your route. Statements by your supervisor such as, this is your demonstrated performance. <laughs> We heard all these things right there. I mean, it's these clowns MO, like I told you. We heard these things on that audio. I hope you heard the audio when I go back and edit it. I hope it's not too scrambled, and I'm sitting here telling you all heard it, and you're saying, we didn't hear shit. This is your demonstrated performance, and you're not making standards, are not legitimate, and do not change the situation you're in. Never let these comments get you frustrated or stop you from requesting the assistance you need. DOAS is only a managerial tool and does not take into account circumstances as listed above into consideration. When he talks about you're not making standards, if they come out to y'all, shop stewards, educate your people now. If they come out to y'all and say that there's one minute standard for parcels or all these things are standards, educate your people that they're full of shit. Okay? Those are not standards. And it says clearly on the memo they're not standards. They are parameters. They're not standards, okay? So if management comes out on the workroom floor and tells y'all, gives a stand-up talk, I'm sure that's coming if it's not already happened. Or if they tell you and they're disapproving your 3996 based on these one-minute parcel standards, make sure that we're grieving that, okay? They're lying to you. This person, this email, is is lying to his people. They're going to lie to you, Okay? Those are not standards. If they're saying this one-minute standard or 22-minute standards or seven-minute standards or three-minute standards, it's no such thing. No such thing, okay? Number four, there are multiple national-level settlements such as M1664 and 1769. I'm going to read those in a second. That state these time projections are not the sole determining factor of your daily workload. Nothing can replace the opinion of the professional letter carrier. Simply provide your best estimate and the reasons why and move on to step five. Here's step five. Keep your cool. Don't lose your control and have a different problem. And that's exactly what that's going to create. While this process can be frustrating, you will do nothing to help yourself by becoming angry. If your manager denies your request for overtime or assistance, tell him or her that you'll do the best you can. Inquire what you should do if you are not able to deliver all the mail and return to the office when they want you back. Do not take unauthorized overtime. 
By taking unauthorized overtime, management can possibly issue discipline over the issue. Very good. From Branch 6000. Here's another one. And this is from Branch 78. Here's another one. 3996 is by President Hornyak. DOIS is a management tool. PS Form 3996 is the carrier's tool. All carriers are required to fill out a PS Form 3996 if they can't complete their assignment in eight hours or the time authorized. This includes any alleged pivot time. This means you should case all mail, never curtail mail on your route to pivot on another assignment. If you cannot agree with your supervisor on a time, don't argue, just ask for a 3996. Branch 78, the NLC, nor the contract recognizes DOAS as the final arbiter of whether or not a carrier needs auxiliary assistance. The instruction, complete the assignment and be back in eight hours, is not uncommon on the postal workroom floor. However, when a carrier has verbally stated or given a Form 3996 informing that he or she cannot follow that instruction, management must make a decision. The instruction actually contains two directives. The carriers have informed management that he or she can do one or the other. It is management's responsibility to decide which one it wants complied with. According to Handbook M41, City Delivery Carriers Duties and Responsibilities, Section 131.33 states, 131.33, unless otherwise instructed by a unit manager, deliver all mail distributed to your route prior to the leaving time for that trip and complete delivery within scheduled time. It is your responsibility to inform management when this cannot be done. According to Handbook M39, Management of Delivery Services, Section 122.33 states, 122.33, the employee, upon request, will be provided a Form 3996, Carry Auxiliary Control, after the supervisor has been verbally informed as to the reason for the request. The employee shall not be denied the form, and upon request, a duplicate of the completed form will be provided the employee. According to Handbook M41, City Delivery Carriers Duties and Responsibilities, Section 131.41, and 131.42 and 131.43 state, and we're going to talk about all of them. 131.41, it is your responsibility to verbally inform management when you're of the opinion that you will be unable to case all mail distributed to the route, perform other required duties, and leave on schedule or when you will be unable to complete delivery of all mail. 131.42, inform management of this well in advance of the scheduled leaving time and not later than immediately following the final receipt of mail. Management will instruct you what to do. 131.43. Complete applicable items on Forms 3996, Carry Auxiliary Control, if overtime or auxiliary assistance is authorized in the office and on, or on the street. 2016-2019 National Agreement, Article 41.3G, Joint Contract Administration Manual, page 41. 21 and 22. Now this one's critical. 41.3G, and we'll talk about this later on. 41.3G of the JCAM. 41.3G, the employer will advise a carrier who has properly submitted a carrier auxiliary control form 3996 of the disposition of the request promptly after a view of the circumstances at the time. And what does promptly mean? Does anybody out there know what promptly means? 
Promptly means with little or no delay, immediately. That's what promptly means, with little or no delay, immediately. So that's what promptly means, okay? I'll read that again, 41.3G. The employer will advise a carrier who has properly submitted a carrier auxiliary control form, 3996, of the disposition of the request promptly after review of the circumstances at the time. Upon request, a duplicate copy of the completed Form 3996 and Form 1571, report of undelivered mail, etc., will be provided to the carrier. Don't ever turn in a 3996 and 1571 and don't keep a copy. Always keep a copy of the 3996 and the 1571. Always. Management will throw those in the trash and lie on you. I'm telling you. Like that slapping machine. I'm telling you, don't be slapped. They'll throw it away. If you don't request a copy, your shit will be in the trash. Always keep a, a copy of the 3996 and especially the 1571. Report of undelivered mail. Okay? Especially that one. That's 41.3G. If, while in the normal course of picking up DPS mail... A letter carrier determines the need to file a request for overtime or auxiliary assistance or to amend a request that was previously filed. The carrier may do so at that time. The supervisor will advise the letter carrier of the disposition of the request or amended request promptly after a view of the circumstances. And that's M1366, and I'm going to read that one for you here in a second. So if we go out there and we turn into 3996 because of our parcels or our base, our flats, and we turn into 3996, and then we're headed out there and pick up our DPS. I usually have two trays, and today I've got eight. I'm going to need to amend that 3996. So I'm going to go back in there and say, hey, I didn't know we had all that DPS. Uh, so I'm going to need to amend that. M1366 is where we're going to go, and I'm going to read that to you in just a second. What items should be completed on 3996? A, delivery unit, enter the name of the delivery unit. C, Date, enter the date requesting assistance. D, carrier's name and route number. Enter the name of the carrier requesting assistance or overtime and the route number. J, reason for use of auxiliary. Show the reason assistance is being requested. Omit during Christmas period. K, estimated work, hours and minutes. The carrier must enter the estimated hours and minutes of the amount of assistance being requested. I'm going to read that again for you. K, estimated work, hours and minutes. The carrier must enter the estimated hours and minutes of the amount of assistance being requested. So if you need two hours, if you're requesting two hours, don't put 10 hours down there. That's total time. We're dealing with overtime only. Okay? If you're requesting an hour, don't put nine hours down there. Put one hour. It's for overtime. How much overtime are we requesting? Not total time. Uh, back when I was Formal A, I used to have to call carriers all the time. When they turn in 3996, 10 hours. It's like, you needed 10 hours of overtime? No, only two hours. Okay, then you put two hours. Don't put 10. Okay, so that's just a little something for you. That's free. L, management action. Check and initial all appropriate actions. Management action. This section is completed by the manager reviewing the form. The manager reviews the request and makes a determination as to the appropriate actions. The manager shall check the appropriate action and initial each section. What information should be included in the reasons for auxiliary? 
At the top of the PS Form 3996, write copy requested so you'll be given a copy of request as required by the national agreement. There are several reasons for the use of overtime auxiliary assistance. Pivot on another route, travel time, overburden route, excessive parcels, DPS, excessive accountables, rain, snow, ice, late leaving, change of address cards, plan five talk, safety talk, window service, spoke with patron, full coverage, hot case mail, feeling ill, waiting for mail, late dispatch, unfamiliar with route, new case labels, carding mail, case by others, case PM mail from previous day, thin mail, thick mail, sloppy mail, advo inserts, traffic, construction delays, deviate to deliver express mail, customer connect meeting, turn your 3996 after you receive all mail. If you can check your DPS mail prior to turning in your request, you should do so in order to better estimate your workload. If you pick up your DPS and determine the need to fill out a 3996 or amend your 3996 turn in earlier, you may do so. The supervisors devise the carry of the request promptly after a view of the circumstances. If you are unable to come to an agreement with the supervisor, do not argue. Call in at the required time and let the supervisor make the decision to carry the mail or bring it back or send assistance. All carriers must remember that we should fill out a 3996 when we can't take all the mail and do our route in eight hours. We must carry our route safely and professionally at all times. Here's another one. This is news. This is from the postal record. How to request overtime or auxiliary assistance and complete a PS form 3996 carry auxiliary control. And this is redundant. I'm telling you, but we're going to keep doing it. The morning routine of estimating your workload for the day is often difficult to do. Even for experienced letter carriers, whether you're just starting your career or a more seasoned carrier, the rules remain the same when you believe that the route you're assigned to carry has more work than you can complete within eight hours, or you believe that you cannot complete all the work assigned to you for the day within your scheduled time. Below are the steps to take to notify management if this happens. 1. Verbally inform your manager if you don't think you complete your assignment in eight hours. Sections 131.41 and 131.42 of Handbook M41, City Delivery Carrier's Duties and Responsibilities. The USPS Handbook that outlines the duties of a city letter carrier require you to tell the manager when you cannot carry all the mail distributed to your route in eight hours or within your normal schedule. Once you have verbally informed management, the manager is required to tell you what he or she wants you to do. Follow the manager's instructions. If you still believe that you will not be able to finish your route in eight hours, proceed to step two. Two, request PS Form 3996. The next step is to request a PS Form 3996 from your manager. Article 413G of the National Agreement and Section 122.33 of Handbook M39 Management of Delivery Services require that manager provide you with a PS Form 3996 when you request one. Handbook M39 is a guide for supervisors detailing their responsibilities when dealing with city letter carriers, but it often provides explanations to help city letter carriers. No matter what your manager says to you, say the words, I'm requesting a 3996, and explain the reasons for your request. If you're denied the form, immediately request to see your shop steward. If your request to see your shop steward is denied, make sure that another carrier hears you say the words.
Don't scream the words at the top of your lungs. Just make sure someone other than you and your manager hears you. After you have verbally informed your manager and that you don't believe that you don't believe you can finish your route in eight hours, have made them aware that their instructions has not changed their belief and have requested and been provided a PS form thirty nine ninety six. Proceed to step three. And here's step three: fill out the form completely. It is important that you fill out the form completely, and the reason for use of auxiliary box. You must write down why you believe that you cannot complete your assignment in eight hours. If your belief is related to your mail volume or type of mail you have, you should write comments that are specific and not general as to why you're requesting overtime. Your reason also could be related to your street duties. Some examples, known road construction, weather-related issues, excessive accountable mail, etc. Comments like heavy volume or route overburden aren't sufficient for this section. Often there are other circumstances that might add to or be the reason why you will need overtime or auxiliary assistance on a given day. Always list the circumstances that will prevent you from finishing your assignment in eight hours on PS Form 3996 as explained above. Statements by your supervisor such as, this is your demonstrated performance and you are not making standards are not legitimate and do not change the situation. Never let these comments get under your skin and stop you from requesting the assistance you need. Remember, your job is to do the best that you can. Sometimes managers will tell you that you don't need the requested overtime or auxiliary assistance because of what DOAS projects for your route. The national parties have agreed that computer-generated time projections are not the sole determinant of your daily workload. Nothing can replace the opinion of the professional letter carrier. Four, keep your cool. Don't lose your cool. While this process can be frustrating, you will do nothing to help yourself by becoming angry. If your manager denies your request for overtime or assistance, tell them you'll do that. You'll do your best. Then politely ask what they want you to do if you are not able to deliver all the mail by the time they want you back. Often their answers will be something like, I just told you what I want you to do, or deliver all the mail and be back in eight hours. Your manager has just put the ball back in your court and placed you in a situation where you can't honor their instructions. That's what happened to that kid in that audio, right? Number five, don't argue. There's no reason to argue with your manager at this point. The only thing you will accomplish by arguing with your manager is to become frustrated and angry. The smartest thing you can do is just say, okay, I'll do my best, and ask for a copy of your PS Form 3996. Remember, Article 41.3G of the National Agreement and Section 122.33 of Handbook M39 require managers to provide you with a copy if you request it. Finish your office work and go to the street. Do the best you can. Take your breaks where you're supposed to take. Take your lunch when and where you're listed on PS Form 3996 you filled out. Number six, don't make decisions. Letter carriers get paid to deliver mail. Managers get paid to make decisions. If you realize that you will not be able to deliver all the mail and make it back to the office by the time the manager approved, you should do everything you can to put any further decisions in the manager's hands. The best way to handle this situation is to call your supervisor for local instructions. If you have no local instructions, try calling about two hours before the time you're scheduled. The time approved on PS Form 3996 to be back. Let your supervisor know where you are and how long you think it will take you to finish. Ask whether they want you to bring the mail back at the previously approved time or finish the route. Follow whatever instructions your supervisor or manager gives you. 
If the supervisor or manager refuses to tell you that what to do with the rest of the mail, or if you can't finish your assigned duties in the amount of time initially specified by your supervisor, you should return to the office when the allotted time and ask for further instructions. Note, don't ever return mail to the office and leave it without getting instructions on what to do with the mail from a manager. Make a note of whatever instructions you were given and what time it was. You should also complete a PS Form 3996 to track the amount of time you spend assisting or working on another route. If you're instructed to provide auxiliary assistance to another route, whether on projected undertime or for overtime, management should provide you with a PS Form 3996 indicating this additional work. There are times where you may be provided more than one 3996 to assist multiple routes. Make sure that you fill out the bottom of each PS Form 3996 showing both your travel and delivery times for whatever assistance you are carrying. This assistance is called many different things around the country. Some common phrases are pivots, splits, kickoffs, relays, handoffs, trips, pushes, boosts, or bumps. If you don't believe that you can complete the work in the amount of time authorized, you should notify your supervisor as soon as possible. The 2019 Letter Carry Resource Guide contains an example of a PS Form 3996 and complete instructions on how to properly fill it out. Section 28 of Handbook M41 also explains the proper procedures for filling out PS Form 3996. You can access the Letter Carry Resource Guide by visiting nalc.org backslash resource guide. These instructions and the above listed device will assist you anytime you need to fill out a PS Form 3996 and submit it to your supervisor. If you need more information regarding requested overtime or auxiliary assistance or the completion of this form, please see a shop steward, NELC branch officer, on-the-job instructor, or mentor for further guidance. All right, so there's the ones about the 3996. We're going to talk a little bit about the 1571. I got a few things on that. And then we're going to talk about these step fours and a couple of sites and we'll be done. Told you it's going to be a little bit long, okay? But we're putting the nails in the coffin on this one on this episode. There's so much that's come up about these 3996. So I pushed all the T-Rap stuff back. We're just going to do one on the 3996. I know it's going to be long because it was 3 hours and 22 minutes yesterday when I lost it all. So I knew it was going to be long. Of course, I ramble a lot and talk a lot and cuss a lot, but that's just how I am. All right. Here's one from City, uh, Director of City Delivery, Mr. Christopher Jackson. Intentional delaying of mail. Okay? Intentional delaying of mail. Recently, NALC was approached by the Postal Service to discuss the unfortunate problem of USPS supervisors delaying our customers' mail. There were several reports of entire routes being uncovered for a day or letter carriers being told to stop mail delivery at a certain time and bring the remaining mail back to the office. Remember this when I talk about one of these sites. Remember this. We were asked to help identify where these problems exist and then provide that information to USPS so it could attempt to correct the problems. In March, shortly after the Postal Service asked us to help, President Frederick Rolando, Executive Vice President Brian Renfro, and I attended the Committee of Presidents meeting in Jacksonville, Florida. At this meeting, I discussed the issue of delayed mail and asked the branch presidents in attendance if these situations were happening in the offices they represent. We discussed some instances of this occurring, and since that meeting, I have received several additional reports. 
One common issue is that the letter carrier is being instructed to return to the office, be off the street, or be off the clock at a certain time, regardless of whether they are finished with their delivery duties. At times, they are told to bring all their mail back and to scan the non-delivered parcels as no access or some other scan that doesn't provide our customers with an accurate representation of why their package was not delivered that day. Another issue is that of letter carriers being told to stop delivering letters and flats at a certain time and to only deliver parcels. Instructions such as these often are given to letter carriers before they leave the office in the morning, but they also are being delivered via text messages and calls to their personal cell phones. An increasingly common method for supervisors to send such instructions is by mass text messaging to all the carriers in the delivery unit through the mobile delivery device, the MDD. I meet weekly with several officials at USPS headquarters to discuss issues affecting letter carriers, including topics such as those described above. These officials have informed me that they are providing additional training to supervisors and managers regarding improper instructions to delay mail or to make an inaccurate scans. While USPS officials at the headquarters level have the ability to identify potential problems through their own reports, they cannot catch everything, and that's why they have asked NLC to help. Certainly, there are times where it is proper to bring back undelivered mail due to unavoidable or hazardous circumstances such as animal interference, icy or snowy roads, missed mail receptacles, etc. However, in any situation where mail is not delivered, letter carriers should document the reasons on PS Form 1571, Undelivered Mail Report, Section 442 of Handbook M41, City Delivery Carrier Duties and Responsibilities, addresses this as follows. 44. Undelivered mail. 4042. Completing form 1571. 442.1. After return from trip, obtain form 1571. Undelivered mail report from unit manager. 442.2. Add any mail which was not delivered but was returned to the office. 442.3. Sign the form and give it to a unit manager. The form creates a record of the undelivered mail by listing the delivery unit where the letter carrier works, the route number the mail was supposed to be delivered on, and the date of the incident, what type of mail and how many pieces, and the reason the mail was not delivered. Letter carriers always should request a copy of this form for their own records in case they are asked later about the undelivered mail. Article 413G talked about this, of the National Agreement gives letter carriers the right to a copy. It states, upon request, a duplicate copy of the completed Form 3996 and Form 1571 report for undelivered mail, etc., will be provided to the carrier. If management refuses to provide this copy, letter carriers should ask to see their union steward to further investigate. Let me tell you the importance of the 1571, the curtailed mail report. Anytime you're leaving mail, anytime you bring it back, get a copy of a completed form 1571. Management is going to lie on you, and I got a site here. And I told you that time, uh, I don't know if you remember that episode where the supervisor told the carrier to bring the mail back. The carrier brings it back, puts it on her ledge. She doesn't get a 1571 filled out. The function four comes in in the morning, sees the mail, and the supervisor says, I have no idea why that's there. I didn't see it. And lied on the carrier, and they fired the carrier. And by the grace of God, a clerk heard the conversation. So we got the carrier back. There's another site on that. 
Let me tell you these stats, and they're staggering. Okay? If you look up on the arbitration site, it'll, it'll give you different prompts of, of topics. The unauthorized curtailment of mail, discipline issued that we've taken to, to arbitration for the unauthorized curtailment of mail. That's what we're talking about now. 1,280 cases have been taken to arbitration over unauthorized curtailment of mail. 1,280 cases. Sustained, which means we won, 282. That means we won it outright. 282 out of 1,280. 605 were denied. 605 brothers and sisters have lost their job for unauthorized curtailment of mail. 386 were modified. That means that the arbitrator bought them back, probably didn't give them back pay. So 1,280 cases have been taken to arbitration over an unauthorized curtailment of mail discipline, and 282 were sustained outright. That's the importance of the 1571 in a nutshell. That's the importance of filling out a 1571 curtailment of mail report and keeping a copy Right? It's for our protection, not for management's. If letter carriers are being instructed by their supervisor to bring mail back to the office undelivered, they must follow those instructions. Such directives are very frustrating, but it's important to stay calm and not argue with their supervisor, as this could lead to other problems. Letter carriers should do what the supervisor tells them. They should properly fill out a PS Form 1571 for the undelivered mail, and they should inform a local NALC representative about the situation. It is my hope that our local union representatives will, in turn, inform the national business agent of these directives so the NBAs can get the information to me. NBA contacts will be found on the NALC website. All right, and here's the last one of these I'm going to read, and then I'm going to get into these step fours. Real numbers versus DOAS. Real numbers versus DOAS. And this is contract talk from 2007. Okay? Are there any other numbers that are more important than DOAS? Actually, there are. And they have a direct effect on your assignment. Unlike DOAS, these numbers are based on fact and reality. They are derived from information found on some specific forms that management, based on regulations and USPS handbooks, is required to review and analyze. Form 1571, Undelivered Mail Report. This is M39, Section 213. This form is used to report all delayed, curtailed pieces of mail on a delivery assignment on any given day. Some carriers may be unaware that, unless authorized by manager, they are required to case all mail distributed to the route they are serving. They are not allowed, without authorization from management, to curtail or eliminate any scheduled delivery or collection trips. Form 1571 plays an important role because it provides a written record of any management instruction to curtail mail. After the authorization is given to curtail mail and Form 1571 completed, management is required to verify the type and amount of mail curtailed to see if it agrees with that shown on Form 1571. And that's M39 section 126.12. Carriers are also required to record any mail that was not delivered in return to the office. Finally, supervisors to report to the appropriate manager the total amount of curtailed mail recorded 
by carriers on Form 1571. My tongue's getting tired again. Form 1813, Late Leaving and Returning Report. Management is required to establish leaving schedules for delivery routes, and once the time has been established, management is responsible for ensuring that carriers leave and return to the office in time every day. Managers must be aware of and record the daily workload for each route and provide assistance where necessary for carriers to meet scheduled leave times. They also must recognize when a judicious use of curtailment of non-preferential mails is appropriate to maintain the schedule. If a carrier leaves and or returns late, management must record this information on Form 1813 along with notes to explain the reasons for leaving late. When analyzing Form 1813, managers must determine whether one or more carriers frequently leave late. If a carrier frequently leaves late, it may be an indication that their route may not be adjusted properly, that starting or leaving times are improper, or that possible inefficiency exists. That's M39-131.213. Form 3996, Carrier Auxiliary Control. Managers are required to analyze all auxiliary assistance and or overtime used on carrier assignments. This information is found on Form 3996. As most carriers know, the purpose of this form is to document if overtime or auxiliary assistance is authorized in the office or on the street. Carriers should not only complete Form 3996 when provided, they should also request a copy of the completed form for their records. This is because a completed form provides a detailed written record of the mail to be carried as well as the travel and delivery times of the auxiliary assistants. When Forms 3996 demonstrate that overtime or auxiliary assistance are frequently used on a route, management is required to make a determination on whether the route is properly adjusted. That's M39-131.223. In addition, carriers often use the data to substantiate requests for special route inspections in accordance with M39-271G. Carriers are reminded that the real numbers for an assignment come from the collection and analysis of hard data and not from a DOAS calculation. The handbooks and manuals do not provide for routes to be evaluated on a daily basis in the way management tries to do with DOAS. Rather, the M39 requirements obligate management to analyze real data. Chief among the requirements is that management must conduct a review and analysis of carrier control forms, M39 Section 213, either during the unit and route review, see Contract Talk December 2006, or three to four weeks prior to the scheduled period of formal mail counts and route inspections. In addition, these forms must be completed daily as well as reviewed periodically in order to ensure routes are being administered correctly. Management may have to be reminded that evaluations of delivery assignments are conducted in accordance with M39 Handbook and not with DOAS. So there's you some forms that I pulled out uh, to help you with the 3996 and the 1571. Very critical, okay? We're picking a fight here, and we're going to make sure that we're doing everything humanly possible to protect ourselves. Like Mills Lane said, if y'all are old school boxers, or watched old school boxing. What Mills Lane say? Protect yourself at all times. Protect yourself at all times. That's what we're doing here. 3996 and 1571 are the two most critical forms when dealing with this. That's us protecting ourselves at all times. Always get a copy of each. Always. Never trust management to do the right thing. 
They may be your best friends, and they're going to get an email from a clown like this here that we saw, and they're going to tell them to throw them away or something of that nature. Okay? Let's get into some step fours. It's a bunch of them, but these are critical. Okay? These are things that we're going to need in our grievances. So write these numbers down, and I'm going to have Jeremy put them up on uh, from 8arbitration.com. Some of them are already up there because, like I said, we talked about 3996 on several uh, episodes. JB has talked about some of these as well, and some of the ones that he's done. And so there's a bunch of these. I'm just going to read them to you. And then a couple of sites, and I'll be done, okay? And here's here's one that's going to be critical, all right? Because when we start turning in 3996s, management's getting irritated at us. What do they do? They want to come count our routes, right? That's intimidation. Well, we'll just count you, see if you're making standard. We'll just count your route. If you want to stop them from doing that, here's what you do. Now, you're going to have to, well, I say gird your loins. <laughs> this is girding your loins right here, okay? This is strapping up. When management comes to you and tells you that you're going to count your route, that's fine. Count my mail. Let's get it on. Here's what you do, all right? And here's what we're going to use. M1216. M1216. Dear Mr. Young, recently we met in pre-arbitration discussion of the above reference cases, which are currently pending national level arbitration. The issue in the cases is whether management violated the national agreement by not allowing carriers to count the mail counted by the supervisor during a one-day count. During our discussions, we mutually agreed to the following. On the day of the one-day count, when management performs the mail count, the carrier serving the route, upon request, may verify the count. Consistent with this understanding, the parties agree to sell these cases at this level. Now, when management comes around to you every morning, what do they tell you? Linear measurements, parcel count, and DPS count, right? You have 900 pieces of DPS. You have 1,200 pieces of DPS. You've got 700 pieces of DPS. In accordance with M1216, I'm going to go out there and count my DPS. I'm going to put it on my stool, and I'm going to count every piece of it. If they deny you that, file a grievance under 1216, and i got another one. Count that DPS. If you want to break management from doing that, count your DPS. If they don't allow it, file a grievance on it. Okay? They're going to start doing these things. JB called me today, and he said that a supervisor kind of called him on the down low and said, hey, here's what they're doing now. They're telling supervisors and managers that we don't have a set office time. There is no there is no 33 minutes and 43 minutes of set office time. They're telling managers that and supervisors. Hey, if carriers are telling you that they have a, a set office time of 33 minutes or 43 minutes, they don't have that. So we're going to have to fight that. But he also said that they are telling them that they want daily mail counts. Count the carrier's routes daily. I'll tell you how to stop that. You start counting that DPS. 
Count your DPS on that ass every day. Every time they do a mail count, count your DPS. Don't let them get by with this stuff here, man. If we're going to fight, we're going to scrap, right? We're going to use... What sense does it make to fight somebody left-handed? And I've got my teeth and this right hand and these feet, right? That's how I fight. If we're going to fight, let's get it. Let's get it on. Everything I've got available, you're going to get hit with. Why would we not do that? On the workroom floor, don't hit nobody or bite. Don't bite your manager. But why are we not doing that? Everything available to us, we should be using against management. Okay? They're coming after us. We're going to meet them. Okay? We're not running from nobody. We're going to meet them. You want to count my mail? All right, count my mail. And if you don't mind while you're counting that, I'm going to go out here and count this DPS, okay, in accordance with 1216. Right? They don't let you grieve it. Here's another one that goes in line with that. M536. Write these down now. M1216, M536. Here's M536. Dear Mr. Johnson, on November 28th of 1984. Now, if manager comes to you and say, hey, that's 1984. We didn't have DPS until the early 90s. Doesn't matter. These things didn't change because of DPS. On November 28, 1984, we met to discuss the above-captioned grievance at the fourth step of our contractual grievance procedure. The question in this grievance is whether a letter carrier is entitled to verify mail count. During our discussion, it was mutually agreed that the following would represent a full settlement of this case. Normally, a spot verification of the mail volume is adequate to determine that the mail count is accurate. However... The parties agree that based on the intent of section 221.131 of the HIM 39 handbook, the carrier may, upon request, verify the entire mail count. So any mail that's been counted, and they count DPS, if you look on your work hour workload report, what is it going to have on there? It's going to have a piece count of your DPS, right? So it's been counted. That's part of their DOA's projections is your piece count on your DPS. So this here says, however, the parties agree that based on the intent of section 221.131 of the M39 handbook, the carrier may, upon request, verify the entire mail count. It doesn't say a portion of the mail count or some of the mail count or a lot of the mail count. It says the entire mail count. Make sure we're counting that mail on that ass, okay? Make sure. That's good stuff right there I'm giving y'all. All All right? Here's some, uh, the DOAS, and this is what we're going to need when we're filing grievances on the 3996 when management is stating that we don't need the time based off DOAS and PET. Okay? Here's what we're going to need for that. M1444. Right? M1444. Dear Mr. Sombrado, on several occasions we met in pre-arbitration discussions regarding the above-referenced grievances. The issue in these grievances is whether or not the piece count recording system projected off of street time or the delivery operations information system, DOAS, violate the national agreement. After reviewing this matter, we mutually agreed to settle these grievances as follows. Daily piece counts, PCRS, record in accordance with the above-referenced systems, post or DOAS, will not constitute the sole basis for discipline. However, daily counts, 
recording in accordance with these procedures may be used by the parties in conjunction with other management records and procedures to support or refute any performance-related discipline. This does not change the principle that pursuant to section 242.332 of M39, no care shall be disciplined for failure to meet standards, except in cases of unsatisfactory effort, which must be based on documented unacceptable conduct that led to the carrier's failure to meet office standards. Furthermore, the pre-arbitration settlement, dated October 22, 1985, provides that there is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and no street standard for walking. And that's exactly what management tries to do when they talk to you about demonstrated performance. They're trying to set a street standard for you. We have no street standard. M1444 is where we're going to go. If they're saying, I disapprove this uh, 3996 because of demonstrated performance, I don't have a, a street standard. You're trying to set one for me when you do that. When you're saying that I'm not making this one-minute parcel delivery because of this one-minute standard y'all said that we had based on this lie, no carrier shall be disciplined for failure to meet standards. Okay? I don't have a standard on the street. I have no parcel delivery standard. I have no street standard. Right? Here's another one. M1769, and this is one that those uh, Mr. Renfro stuff kept talking about. M1769. Dear Mr. Rolando, recently our representatives met in pre-arbitration discussion of the above reference grievance. The issue in this grievance is whether an office efficiency tool used to project office and street time in the greater Indiana district violates the national agreement. And you can use this nationwide. Just because it says Indiana district, you can use these nationwide, these M documents, okay? After reviewing this matter, we mutually agreed to settle the grievance as follows. The subject office efficiency tool is a management tool for estimating a carrier's daily workload. The office efficiency tool used in the greater Indiana district or any similar time projection system tool will not be used as the sole determinant for establishing office or street time projections. Accordingly, the resulting projections will not constitute the sole basis for corrective action. This agreement does not change the principle that pursuant to Section 242.332 of Handbook M39, no care shall be disciplined for failure to meet standards except in cases of unsatisfactory effort which must be based on documented unacceptable conduct that led to the carrier's failure to meet office standards. Furthermore, as stated in the agreement for case number there, there is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and no street standard for walking. Projections are not the sole determinant of a carrier's leaving or return time or daily workload. The use of any management-created system or tool that calculates a workload projection does not change the letter carrier's reporting requirements outlined in Section 131.4 of Handbook M41. The supervisor's scheduling responsibilities outlined in Section 122 of Handbook M39 or the letter carrier's and supervisor's responsibilities contained in Section 28 of Handbook M41. Those are the ones you're going to need now when we're dealing with 3996 as being disapproved based off of Dois and Pet. Here's another, M1664. This is another that's going to go along with those others. M1664. 
Dear Mr. Young, recently our representatives met at the interpretive step to discuss the above reference grievance. After reviewing this matter, the parties agreed to resolve this dispute based on the following. The Delivery Operations Information System, or DOAS, is a management tool for estimating a carrier's daily workload. The use of DOAS does not change the letter carrier's reporting requirements outlined in Section 131.4 of Handbook M41, the supervisor's scheduling responsibilities outlined in Section 122 of Handbook M39, or the letter carrier's and supervisor's responsibilities contained in Section 28 of Handbook M41. DOAS projections are not the sole determinant of a carrier's leaving or return time or daily workload. As such, the projections cannot be used as a sole basis for corrective action. A five-minute time credit for lines 8 through 13 will be added, or when route inspection data is available for lines 8 13, the actual average information will be used for daily workload projections. Management is responsible for accurately recording volume and other data in DOAS, and that's the reason we don't go by DOAS, because <laughs> management can't find their ass from a hole in the ground, right? So when it says management is responsible for accurately recording volume and other data in DOAS, I don't trust that shit for nothing, and that's why we don't agree with DOAS, okay? Other than obvious data entry errors, route-based information may only be changed through a full count and inspection or minor route adjustment. Additionally, the parties have previously agreed that functions in DOAS which relate to the route inspection and adjustment process must be in compliance with the City Letter Care Route Adjustment Process in Subchapter 141 and Chapter 2 of the M39 Handbook. Exceptions are offices that have jointly established an alternate route adjustment method. DOAS-based information in such offices shall appropriate comply with the alternate route adjustment method. So those are the good ones right there. Here's another one that's going to go along with y'all. This is one of the most important ones now, M326. M326. This is hugely critically important, M326, okay? And we're going to start using this one a lot coming up here with these attacks on us on these 3996s. Like that email. He said, challenge every 3996. Here's your get-out-of-jail-free card, M326. M326. Dear Mr. Huerta, on July 26, 1972, we met with you to discuss the above caption grievance at the fourth step of our contractual grievance procedure. And these things have no statute limitations. 1972, it's just like it's done in 2022. A review of the material submitted at the fourth step level indicates that the grievance did inform management of their inability to complete their routes in eight hours. Further, it was demonstrated that they were ordered by management to complete the routes. Although there was no expressed authorization to complete their delivery of the mail on an overtime basis, the permission would be inherent in the authorization to continue delivery after notification that the grievance were unable to complete the routes. Okay? I fill out a 3996. Management denies it. I said, I need an hour. They said, you need to be back in eight hours. I called back and I said, hey, that hour that you denied me, I'm still going to need it. You know, what do you want me to do with the mail? You want me to keep delivering or you want me to bring it back? Well, keep delivering, but it's unauthorized. Well, once you told me keep delivering, it's authorized. Okay? Once you told me to keep delivering, it is now authorized. 326 tells you that. Okay? Further, it was demonstrated that they were ordered by management to complete the routes. 
Although there was no expressed authorization to complete the delivery of the mail on an overtime basis, the permission would be inherent in the authorization to continue delivery after notification that the grievance were unable to complete the routes. Okay, that's critical for us right there. Therefore, the grievance shall be awarded overtime for the exact amount of time worked on April 7, 1972. Here's another critical one for us, okay? M1458, and I've talked about this one a lot. Talked about this one back in my stationary event episode. M1458, this is going to be big for us as well. On several occasions, I met with your representative to discuss the above-captioned grievance at the fourth step of our contractual grievance procedure. The Managed Service Point MSP initiative is a national program intended to facilitate management's ability to assess and monitor city delivery route structure and consistency of delivery service. The following reflects the party's understanding of MSP. The parties agree that management will determine the number of scans on a city delivery route. Time credit will continue to be given during route count and inspections and will be credited in total street time. MSP does not set performance standards either in the office or on the street. With current technology, MSP records of scan times are not to be used as time card data for pay purposes. MSP data may not constitute the sole basis of disciplinary action. However, it may be used by the parties in conjunction with other records to support or refute disciplinary action issued pursuant to Article 16 of the National Agreement. Now, why is that one so critical now, 1458? Why is that so critical to us? That very first sentence of that one paragraph, MSP does not set performance standards either in the office or on the street. Now, how are they collecting any kind of data on me as far as one minute per parcel? How is management going to do that outside of this route adjustment process, outside of this TRAP process? How is management going to get that data, collect that data on me that I took longer than one minute per parcel? Through the scanner data, right? Through the scanner data. You've got an email from a clown saying, there's one minute per parcel. One minute. So if they come up to them and they say, hey, look, you got one minute per parcel, man. You're taking two or three minutes per parcel. Well, how, are you, how do you know that? Wasn't nobody out there with me watching. I didn't see anybody out there watching me deliver. No, the scanner's showing that you're taking two to three minutes per parcel, and the parties have agreed that it's one minute. First off, you're a damn liar by saying that to me, and I don't appreciate you lying to me. Second of all, 1458 says clearly, MSP does not set performance standards, either in the office or on the street. So any kind of scanner data, you can't set a performance standard on me through that. Even the memos say that they're not standards, they're parameters, okay? It goes on, section 432.33 of the Employee and Labor Relations Manual remains in full force and effect when MSP is implemented. It provides that except in emergency situations or where service conditions preclude compliance, no employee may be required to work more than six continuous hours without a meal or rest period of at least half hour. It goes on about lunch locations. Here's M829. M829. Now, I would tell y'all if management comes up there saying that y'all are taking too long on your packages to, to hit them with that spying and using covert techniques. You know my opinion on that. 134 of the M39 handbook. You know my opinion on that. Right? I got burned on that by my people. 
I would anytime they tell me they've been looking at me and they weren't out there, they're at the desk. I'm I'm gonna file a damn grievance on them. Section one thirty four of the N thirty nine handbook. I don't care. M eight twenty nine. Dear Mister Johnson, on several occasions, the most recent being March twentieth of nineteen eighty six, we met to discuss the above captioned case of the four step of the national contractual procedure set forth in the nineteen eighty one national agreement. The question raised in this grievance is whether management may discipline a letter carrier for expansion of street time and or authorized overtime using data obtained by management during a one-day inspection of the carrier's route. After further review of this matter, we mutually agreed that no national interpretive issue is fairly presented in the particulars evidence in this case. Under Article 16, no employee may be disciplined except for just cause. In this instance, the parties agree that a one-day count and inspection may not be used as a sole basis to establish a standard against which a carrier's performance may be measured for disciplinary purposes. Whether or not discipline is properly issued, just cause exists under given circumstances, is a factual dispute suitable for regional arbitration, regional determination. They're remanded back. So, when management comes up to you and tells you, hey, look here, like that guy said on that audio, back in uh, back in April, you had the same mail as you do today. You, you had the same mail. That right there. M829. Can't, can't use that to make a standard for me, an office standard or a street standard. You can't use a, a mail count, one-day count, to, to do that. Now, they're going to say, well, we got 10 days of demonstrated performance. I don't care. I'm going to use that, 829. I'm using that. What you're doing is a violation of 829. You're trying to set a standard for me based off of something four months ago. I had the same mail. You're trying to set a standard. That's what they're doing. So use 829, okay? Almost done with these. M304, M304, and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Recently met in pre-arbitration discussion of the following cases. It's got some cases there. Each of these cases involve a disciplinary action as a result of route management. In keeping with the principle of a fair day's work for a fair day's pay, it is understood that there is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and no street standard for walking. Therefore, these cases are being remanded to the regional level of arbitration with a clear agreement between the parties that these cases are to be arbitrated at the regional level. So M304, no street standard. Okay, that's going to be critical coming up with, with these new, uh, with the TRAP coming up in September 1. I have no street standard. Tell everybody, no street standard. Here's the last one. M1366, and this is a good one for you for your 3996. M1366, Mr. Young, recently Richard Murmur met with you in pre-arbitration discussions the above reference case, currently pending national arbitration. The issue in this case involved whether management violated the national agreement by not allowing individual carriers to personally observe the amount of DPS mail intended for delivery on their assigned routes prior to determining the need for overtime or auxiliary assistance. After reviewing this matter, it was agreed that if, while in the normal course of pickup of DPS mail, a letter carrier determines the need to file a request for overtime or auxiliary assistance, or to amend a request that was previously filed, 
The carrier may do so at that time. The supervisor will advise the letter carrier of the disposition of the request or amended request promptly after a view of the circumstances. If the local parties have agreed upon a practice where the letter carrier has access to their DPS mail prior to filling out a request for the overtime auxiliary assistance, this settlement will not apply. So, again, that one is M1366. If I fill out a 3996 and I haven't looked at my DPS, if they don't allow you to do that, some stations say that's a you get that as you go to your truck, and I go out there and I got five times what I normally have, I have the right to amend that 3996, and that right there is what's going to do it for you, M1366, okay? I have a right to go in there and amend it. If they say you can't do it, M1366. You're in violation of Article 19 via M1366. So there's you some step fours, okay, that are going along with uh, our training, getting ready for this fight. I've got a few sites I'm going to read from that will help you. And then we'll be done with this long thing here. Mercy. But I'm wanting a 3996. JB did a fantastic one. I've touched on it before, like I said. But this is going to be the the Moab, right? <laughs> this is this is going to be one that we can listen to over and over again. It's a long one, but it'll have everything in there that you need to help. You know, this, this audio, and they sent it to me. I was going to do the T-Rap this week. When I got this audio and I got that text on that email, I said, no, hell no. We're going to do a 3996 one, and we're going to meet them on the battlefield. Uh, They think they're going to run over us. That ain't going to happen, ever, ever. They're not educated enough. We're going to be more educated than them, and we're going to win. All right, the first ones are going to deal with some 1571 issues. Uh, this first one is from Thomas Levac. Very good language on the 1571, the Curtail Mail Report. Okay. It's C32470, 32470, and from Thomas Levac. And this is what he talks about. It's, it's only five pages. It says, The event giving rise to the grievance. The morning of August 3rd, 2015, the grievance submitted a form 3996 requesting three hours and 30 minutes of overtime. Uh, one hour and 57 hours was approved. One hour and 57 minutes was approved. Now think about that. This person put in for three hours and 30 minutes and management approved one hour and 57 minutes. What a jackass. One hour and 57 minutes was approved. <laughs> he delivered his route for eight hours, calling the station at 2 p.m., at which time Kay told him to stop delivering and bring the undelivered mail back to the station. He did so. Immediately upon his return to the station, he submitted a Form 3996 requesting 45 minutes of overtime to Clunan and, at the same time, submitted initialed Form 1571, asking him to sign it and provide him with a copy. Clunan refused, telling him that because the mail was going back out, he was not required to do so. He then took the Form 1571 to Kay and asked her to sign it. She, too, refused. The Postal Service contends that the agreement was never submitted the second Form 3996, but there is no reason to disbelieve his testimony. The agreement further testified that the action of those managers was a continuation of an ongoing problem. However, given the issue stipulated by the parties, the arbitrator finds that this testimony is outside of the scope of the grievance to be resolved by him. 
In any event, the persuasive evidence was that an earlier instance was approximately five years ago, a stale incident. The arbitrator's conclusion. The arbitrator concludes that the union established by preponderance of the evidence that management violated the National Agreement and the M41, therefore the grievance will be sustained. The following is the arbitrator's rationale. First, M41 sections 111.2, 131.4, and 442.1, 442.3 are clear and unambiguous. They provide on their face that whenever a letter carrier returns mail to an office, whether an installation, station, or whatever, before leaving the office, he or she must complete an initial Form 1571. Those sections further provide that the manager or supervisor to whom the letter carrier submits the completed Form 1571 must sign it and provide a copy to the letter carrier. Talks about a Step B decision. Then he states this, Third, the Postal Service's contention that return mail that it intends to send back out on the same day that is returned does not fall under the M41 is inventive, but clearly cannot be accepted. In the first place, a manager or supervisor may not follow through with that intention. In the second place, a completed Form 3571 completes the officer's... He meant to say 1571, but he said 3571 completes the officer's record of what occurred with the mail on a particular route. Third, and more importantly, a returned initialed copy of a Form 1571 is the only documentary evidence that a letter carrier will have that he or she actually returned the mail. And in what amount? Absent such a copy, the letter carrier may not be able to defend against any possible adverse action, whether a discussion or actual discipline. So he understood the importance of the signed 1571 is for our protection. Why? Because management lies. Bottom line, plain and simple, management lies. So the letter carrier needs that signed copy. Here's another one from Arbitrator August. And I'm just going to read this. It's kind of long. But this will go back to management lies on us and why we need a 1571. Uh, but this one was funny because she basically said, you know, it comes down to credibility and I didn't believe management. But y'all remember I told you the story about the carrier that brought the mail back and left it on the ledge and the supervisor said, I didn't tell him to bring it back. I have no idea. This is the same, same thing. I tell you, management lies and steals and cheats. Here we go with this decision. Article 16 of the National Agreement requires that discipline be issued only when just cause exists. Section 7 of the article further expands the discipline process by offering management an option when emergency situations do not allow for normal suspension procedures outlined in Article 16, Section 7. It is clear regarding the situation where these emergency procedures can be invoked. Thereby, the test for this article is whether management had reason to believe the situation existed to the extent that it involves intoxication, use of drugs or alcohol, pilferage, or failure to observe safety rules and regulations, or in cases where attaining the employee on duty may result in damage to U.S. Postal Service property, loss of mail or funds, or where the employee may be injurious to self or others. In the case at bar, the grievance allegedly left mail in an LLV overnight, and the vehicle was picked up by a service contractor to be transported to another post office. According to management, they were not aware that the mail was left in the vehicle. But the grievance stated that he was instructed to leave the mail in the vehicle. The test in this case would be the credibility of the statements and testimony provided. 
So she's saying, let's say who's lying. There was a statement from a letter carrier other than the grievant who validated that the supervisor acknowledged that he realized there was mail in the vehicle, which was picked up by the contract service provider and stated he would take care of it later. The statement from the other carrier corroborated the grievance story and lent credibility to the fact that he was instructed by his supervisor on the previous evening to leave the mail in the LOV until the next delivery day. Additionally, the conversation between the supervisor and the grievance in which the supervisor stated he would send help out to the grievance established that the supervisor was further aware of the fact that there was more mail than the employee could deliver on that day. The carrier that provided assistance also testified that he went out to assist and notified the supervisor that the grievance had a lot of mail left. The record indicated that this carrier was only able to provide about 10 to 20 minutes of help. Based on the foregoing facts, the supervisor should have known, if he did not know, that the employee had more than circulars left since delivery could not be completed prior to the employees returning to the post office due to darkness. The facts, circumstances, and the testimony and statements of the witnesses all seem to validate the account provided by the grievance in the case at bar. The testimony of the supervisor was clouded by the fact that he first stated that he himself provided the keys to the contract service provider who picked up the vehicle, then later changed that story. That's because they're lying bastards. Although I believe the grievance was advised by his supervisor to leave the mail in the vehicle overnight, it was clearly the responsibility of the grievant under M41 section 131.45 to record any undeliverable mail on a PS form 1571. And that would have ended all of this. It would have never gotten here if he had just filled out the PS form 1571. There is a reason the form exists. And had a 1571 been properly completed by the grievant on November 8th of 2011, there would be no doubt that management had been notified of the undelivered mail. This required form is as much a protection for the employee as it is for the sanctity of the mail, especially in this instant case where there was no indication of malice or pilferage for personal gain. How about that? What does she say? The required form is as much a protection for the employee as it is for the sanctity of the mail especially in this instant case where there was no indication of malice or pilfer's personal gain. These arbitrators get it. They're telling you that they get it. The importance of a 1571. It protects the letter carriers because why? Because management inherently wants to lie. They just do. They do. And here's one that we lost. It's in front of arbitrator Nancy Hutt. And we lost it. It's a CCA that brought mail back. But listen to what she says. Discussion. And we lost this one now, remember. An arbitrator is authorized and indeed directed to view all the circumstances of a case in determining whether there is just cause. I reject the union's argument that relying on the very terms set forth in the DOS award, the removal is per se not corrective. The union alleges that a decision to remove must be based on a fair and thorough investigation of the facts. I conclude that the grievance was not denied due process. And as an advocate, you hate reading that. It is recognized that proving a violation of a work rule does not, by itself, constitute just cause for discharge. Now, arbitrator Nancy Hutt, very good arbitrator. Very good arbitrator. So, you know, sometimes you just can't win them all. But she's, she's a stout arbitrator. 
The arbitrator must still determine whether the severity of the conduct satisfies the just cause requirement for termination. There are varying degrees of discipline, including those that merit summary discharge. However, the arbitrator must examine the specific facts in each case to determine whether removal rather than a corrective action was for just cause. Herein, the conclusion was reached that the grievance conduct was willful based on her numerous and changing scenarios plus the discovery of the FSS mail hidden in an undercart under parcels. The Postal Service substantiated the removal in several ways. Now here they're going to use it against us now. Remember, they lied to us on, lied on us on these others, saying that they never told us to bring it back. Now here they're going to use it against us. Listen. One, grievance failed to recognize the FSS flat was missing, even though she completed delivery business mail. Two, if grievance discovered the mail at 3.55 p.m., there was time to call for additional assistance. That's what all these forms are telling us to do, right? Call for assistance. Number three, grievance failed to call the post office to notify management of the discovered FSS flat. Just like those, just like those things said, let management manage. Call and put it in their court. Let management manage. Four, grievance was well aware of the rules and regulations concerning the delay of mail. Five, grievance was aware that permission from a supervisor was mandated in order to return mail. <clears throat> Y'all hear that? Grievance was aware that permission from a supervisor was mandated in order to return mail. Six, grievance was aware that return mail must be placed on the ledge and a form 1571 completed, but failed to do so. Those show you the importance of the 1571, everybody. Brothers and sisters, fill out the 1571 if you're bringing mail back. Don't just leave it and leave, okay? Don't do that. You're risking your job when you do it. Don't do it. Don't be non-confrontational either, you know. You got to confront management on that and tell them, you know, I brought mail back. It's sitting over there. I need a 1571 and get a copy of it, okay? Now, this one will help because when management's coming after us on these 3996s and they're going to try to discipline us that we're not getting back, this one is a good decision from uh, Arbitrator Rose Talmadge, Sherry Rose Talmadge, because it says that management has a responsibility to go out there and look at us and see what we're doing. You can't just base my discipline off of a 3996. You have to go out there and actually do something to see that I'm not performing well, that I'm doing something that warrants discipline. Now, here's what she says. Discussion. This is kind of lengthy. I apologize. At issue is where the management had just caused to issue the grievance a notice of removal dated July 18, 2018, charging him with unsatisfactory performance for just cause in accordance with Articles 15, 16, and 19 of the National Agreement, Section 115 of the M39 Handbook, and M326 and M1664. Management has not met its burden of proof in this matter. The just cause standard requires the Postal Service to prove that the disciplinary action was issued after an objective predisciplinary investigation resulting in proof of an employee's infraction of a clearly communicated, consistently applied work rule. I didn't read that C number for you, did I? It's C33998. C33998. And I don't know if I did this one. Arbitrator August either. Arbitrator August is uh, 29981 A and B. 29981 A and B. Sorry about that. That's Arbitrator August. I didn't read that one for you. 
But this one is C33998. The basic principle articulated in National Agreement Article 34, Section A is the principle of a fair day's work for a fair day's pay is recognized by all parties to this agreement. Furthermore, in accordance with Sections B and C, any work standards must be fair, reasonable, and equitable. In the present case, there were no specific street time standards. Therefore, street time standards must be established in accordance with M39. Numerous arbitrators have held that a letter carrier must be judged upon his or her own personal abilities and work performance, as noted by arbitrator Levac. And he states this, an overall reading of M39 Chapter 2 leads the arbitrator to the inescapable conclusion that route street standards can only be developed with reference to a specific individual carrier. That is, an evaluation must be based upon the performance of individual carrier while giving a fair day's work. That is, if a carrier is conscientiously working and is engaging in no deliberate or negligent improper practices, the assigned street time for the route must be adjusted and set according to his individual abilities. The gravamen of the services case is that during the four days in question, the grievant, a CCA, who had just been assigned to an updated Route 3101 and had been assigned a one-hour bump on various routes each day, has used more street time to deliver the route than management expected the route to take based on the DOAS PET workload projections for that route. Y'all hear that? The gravement of the services case is that during the four days in question, the grievance of CCA who had just been assigned to an updated Route 3101 and had been assigned a one-hour bump on various routes each day has used more street time to deliver the route than management expected the route to take based on the DOAS PET Workload projections for that route. <laughs> and she's fixing to, to break it down here. The union provided three national level settlements that address whether ma- carriers can be disciplined for failure to meet standards. National level settlement M304 provides that there is no set pace at which a carrier must walk and no street standard for walking. M1444 national level settlement states daily peace counts. Recorded in accordance with the above reference systems, post or DOAS, will not constitute the sole basis for discipline. However, daily counts recorded in accordance with these procedures may be used by the parties in conjunction with other management records and procedures to support or refute any performance-related discipline. This does not change the principle that, pursuant to Section 242.332 of the M39, no carrier shall be disciplined for failure to meet standards except in cases of unsatisfactory effort which must be based on documented, unacceptable conduct that led to the carrier's failure to meet office standards. See also 1769. Now, every one of those I read to y'all that she just talked about. The City Delivery Carrier's Duties and Responsibilities, Handbook Section 112.1, 112.21, and 112.24, require reliable and efficient service, obeying the instructions of your manager and displaying a willful attitude and conscientious effort. There was no direct evidence that any supervisor had observed a lack of such behavior by the grievance and management cited no specific instance of improper performance. The grievance had been reassigned from his old hold down to Route 3101 that had been reconfigured after a route inspection since the last time he had walked the route. He had been on the route only four days, and each day he also had been given an hour bump on various other routes. Article 413F requires management to give a carrier newly appointed on a route a reasonable amount of time to become efficient on that route. 
Management failed to afford the grievance a reasonable amount of time to become efficient on Route 3101. M41 Handbook requires the carrier to notify management that they are of the opinion that they will not be done with their scheduled time. Each day in question, the grievance submitted a Form 3996. Now, this is a CCA now. This is good stuff. Requesting auxiliary assistance, explaining his unfamiliarity with the route and the various bumps that he was leaving the office late because of a large number of parcels and to cover the travel distance to the bump. Very educated CCA right there. That is great. I mean, somebody's done a great job of of teaching him unless he taught himself, which is fantastic. On each occasion, management authorized less than what was requested. I find that it was improper for management to discipline the grievance solely because he exceeded the seat time on a route to which he had just been assigned. The grievance explained to management at the predisciplinary interview that he had made every effort to service his delivery route efficiently and expeditiously and explain the issues that arose on each of the four dates that resulted in the use of excessive time. Madison's inferential conclusion that the mere use of excessive time demonstrated the agreement's poor performance was not sufficient to establish just cause for discipline. This CCA is rock solid. Goes in there on the investigative and tells them everything he did. The service presented no direct evidence that during the four days in question, the grievance was guilty of any improper work habits or of any time-wasting habits. The supervisor may believe that the grievance was not being productive on his route, therefore needing overtime to complete the route. If so, the supervisor should have provided a street observation of the grievance and not merely alleged that the grievance failed to accurately estimate his need for auxiliary assistance making more overtime necessary. And that is 100% of the time. That goes with these 3996s like this gentleman and y'all heard on that recording. If you don't believe me, then go with me. Do a street observation. Go with me and see. See if I'm doing something wrong. They won't do that and not do shit. And the arbitrator right here calls them out on it. If so, the supervisor should have provided a street observation of the grievance. And not merely allege that the grievance failed to accurately estimate his need for auxiliary assistance. And she obviously threw it out. <clears throat> Here's another great one. It's on unclear instructions. And this will, this is a good one for especially that gentleman we heard on the uh, recording. Unclear instruction. This is from Arbitrator Louise Wolitz. That's my girl now. Arbitrator Louise Wolitz. It's C29394. C29394. And here's what she says. Just read the discussion here. Based on the evidence in this record, we must conclude that Mr. Alexander was not given clear instructions on September 7th. Although he was initially approved for 32 minutes of overtime on his 3996, a later discussion with manager Calcagno and Supervisor Presley resulted in his understanding that he was to make eight hours. Out on the street at 3.33, he saw that he could not make eight hours he still had 45 minutes of mail left to deliver. Eight hours would put him off the clock at four. He called the station for instructions. He told the afternoon supervisor, Brenda Berkeley that he had 45 minutes of mail left and was not approved for overtime. What should he do? The testimony of Mr. Alexander and the management witness agree that Supervisor Berkeley did not give him explicit instructions. Rather, she told him to do his assigned duties. It is clear that Mr. Alexander had concluded that those instructions were to make no overtime. 
The record contains a form uh, signed by Supervisor Berkeley dated September 7th, 2010. It indicates it's a call-in from Carrie Alexander, time 3.33. Under Carrie's reasons for not completing route within assigned time, Supervisor's statement to Carrie's some printed instructions are checked. The checked instructions are perform your assigned duties as instructed, follow postal rules and regulations, follow the instructions of your morning supervisors, perform your assigned duties you are hired and trained to perform. There is a handwritten note at the bottom of the form saying, 45 minutes left, and Carrie commented, is there anyone there who can give me concrete instructions? It is clear that Mr. Alexander sought instructions from management. It is clear that he did not receive explicit instructions on what to do. Therefore, he was left to decide what his instructions had been in the morning. He had concluded that those instructions were to make no overtime. He had no choice then but to bring the mail back. This situation could have been easily avoided had Supervisor Berkeley simply instructed him to finish delivering his mail. She did not do so. Moreover, Supervisor Berkeley was not called to testify at the arbitration hearing. Even without her testimony, however, everyone agrees as to what she told Mr. Alexander. We must conclude that management failed to give Mr. Alexander clear instructions as to what to do when he could not complete his assigned delivery within eight hours. Since he thought that those were his instructions, he brought the mail back. He did his best to follow his instructions as he understood them. If he had misunderstood them, Miss Berkeley had the opportunity to correct that misunderstanding. She did not do so. So that's a good one for you when management refuses to give you clear instructions. And here's one more. It's a little lengthy, but it's a good one. It talks about you know, MSP, GPS tracking, and uh, the unauthorized curtailment of mail. And it's a little lengthy, I apologize, but this will be the last one. And then we'll be done with this saga. Okay. It says, pay for time not worked. Pay for time not worked is a serious charge. In extreme cases, clearly worthy of discharge for the first offense. And that means that you're sitting there not doing anything, getting paid. You know, maybe you're at the pool hall for an hour, getting paid for it. That's what he's talking about. Pay for time not worked, okay? What the record in this matter shows is not disputed by the parties. The claims of management based on MSP data and not direct observation of the grievant. That's critical when management is using these things against us. He says, based on MSP data and not direct observation of the agreement. And this is C25035. I don't know why I keep doing that. C25035. And this is arbitrator Diltz, D-I-L-T-S. Not direct observation of the agreement was that the agreement took two hours and 14 minutes to deliver mail from 2041 Burr Street to 5309 West 19th Street, apartment 312 before he took lunch. Manager Wooten walked with the grievance on January 31st, 2003, and alleged it took him exactly one hour to deliver this area. The grievance claims to have taken his lunch period at 1300 on February 1st, a claim unchallenged by the Postal Service. By the Postal Service's calculation, there was a period of 34 minutes on February 1 for which the grievance cannot account. Presumably, extension of his lunch period or some other activity in which work did not occur. It is the 34 minutes that forms the basis for this charge against the grievance. There is nothing in this record save the fact that MSP data shows a 34-minute difference in the times taken for the same delivery area on the grievance route between January 31, 2003 
and February 1, 2003. This is clearly circumstantial evidence. However, circumstantial evidence corroborated and or consistent with the remaining facts in the case may be sufficient to discharge the burden of proof in the case against the grievant. In this case, however, the simple observation of a 34-minute difference between January 31st and February 1 falls far short of a basis for just cause. There is no reliable record of the differences, if any, in the mail volume, parcels, or accountables on the two days in question. Without evidence of the workload to be accomplished on the two days, time alone does not suffice that any period of time was not worked, hence receipt of pay for time not worked. There are no observations of the grievant not working or expanding his lunch period. In fact, there is nothing on this record except for that 34-minute time difference between January 31st and February 1. The record that exists is the MSB data that shows the observed time differential. Okay, he's telling you, I didn't go out there and see him. Remember when I had that episode and I said, if it's me, I'm going to tell him I don't know what you're talking about. I'm working. If it's me, that's what I'm going to say, because you're not out there looking at me. And that's what he says. Sealing the fate of this charge is the unrebutted statement of the party's mutual intent in a decision, which in pertinent part states, MSP does not set performance standards either in the office or on the street. With current technology, MSP records of scan times are not to be used as a time card data for pay purposes. MSP data may not constitute the sole basis for disciplinary action. However, it may be used by the parties in conjunction with other records to support or refute disciplinary action issued to pursuant to Article 16 of the National Agreement. And that's M1458, remember? That's what we use. A management says that we're out there extending our lunch, extending our street times, doing whatever. M1458, that's what he just cited against management. In this arbitrator's considered opinion, there is no evidence in this record save the MSP data that shows the grievance took more time on February 1 than on January 31. Further, there is no credible, reliable evidence concerning the workload or the grievance activities on February 1. Without something more in this record, it is impossible to come to the conclusion that the grievance was either working or not working during those 34 minutes on February 1, and the Postal Service is obliged to prove he was not working for the removal to be sustained. Clearly, there is no evidence in this record to support this charge against the agreement. For this charge to stand, there must be a clear preponderance of the evidence supporting the charge of misconduct. And then the other one is curtailment of mail. They try to get them on that one. It's the same decision. The Postal Service alleges the agreement curtailed mail without authorization. The grievance claims without rebuttal that he curtailed mail because it was dark and that the air delivery was a dangerous part of Gary, Indiana. Delivery of mail in the dark in an area infamous for violent crime cannot be reasonably expected to stand the test of reasonable and safe working expectations. In this arbitrator's considered opinion, the grievance should have informed management of his view that delivery of dark in a street setting was not something which was he was comfortable with with respect to his safety. To use this curtailment of mail as the basis of discipline, given the totality of the circumstances, must be based on the violation of instructions or standing policies. In other words, such a failure must be addressed with a discussion before resorting to discipline in this delivery area after dark. The record also shows that the agreement wrote on a 3996 on February 3rd, 
request for auxiliary assistance that one of the causes was he brought mail back on the previous tour of duty. The record, therefore, is inconsistent with view that the grievance attempted to hide from management that he brought mail back on the station on February 1. Curtailment of mail, which does not involve some act of deception, dishonesty, or misconduct, lacks the, lacks the aggravated circumstances of cases worthy of severe discipline. In cases such as this, where the grievance simply failed to use the proper form to inform management of the problem and did not attempt to deceive management, is clearly not among the case class of cases worthy of discharge for the offense. Had the grievant used a Form 1571 to report the curtailment rather than mentioning the matter on 3996, it is not clear from this record he would have faced removal or anything more than a discussion about the proper procedures for the curtailment of mail and informing management of that curtailment. That's the importance of the 1571. He said, if you would have just filled that out, we wouldn't be here. But he put it down on the 3996 that he had left mail the previous day, so he wasn't trying to hide the fact. So there's your episode on 3996. We covered a lot of territory right there, but if we're picking a fight, damn it, we're going to be prepared to do it, okay? And that's what we're going to do. You want to come after me like that email, like this clown on this audio? You want to come after me? You're not going to have to look for me, baby. I'm going to be right here in front of you. Here's these 8190s. You want to do something? Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Hey, 8190s, the devastator amongst devastators, like I said. Y'all want to come fight us? You're not going to have to find us. You're not going to have to look for us. We're going to be right here in your face. Okay? The 8190. There's your ammo right there. There's all you need for the 3996, the 1571. You've got some sites for you. All your step fours, the contract language I read to you. Okay, we're fixing to get it on now. Starting September 1, trust me, our office time, 3996's pet door is going to be rampant. They're going to say that these are standards off of these memos. Okay, uh, REIT teams. Be be bulldogs for us, please. Be bulldogs for us. You've got to know this stuff is going on now. You've got to know that managers trying to cheat us or steal from us and all of that. You've got to know it, okay? Everybody above the shop, Stuart, stand with us, okay? We're going to unite the clans on them right here. That's exactly what we're going to do, and we have to know that you have our back. That email that guy sent me where the formal A and state and, and branch president let him down. Guys, stand up for us, please. We need you right now. We we cannot win without you, okay? We're, we're going to get it on down here. We're going to be in the mud. We're going to be scrapping, okay? We've got to know that you have our back. If you don't, man, you're going to de- demolish your brothers and sisters. Don't be that way. If you're cowardly, okay, if you're just not raised to fight, if you're cowardly, man, that's fine. Go deliver mail, okay, or go into management. They're cowardly. Go go into management, okay? Just say, hey, I, I'm not for this. Don't stay in there and hurt your people, though, okay? You're a failure, all right? Stand with us, man. Stand with us, everybody. We're going to start scrapping here, and we're going to be ready for it. We're going to be educated. We're training our minds. We're getting better and stronger. Our grievances are getting better and stronger, okay? 
uh, I love y'all. I do. Uh, this is a three hour and 12 minute episode. <laughs> Yesterday was three hours and 22 minutes that I lost, but um, I would not do this if I didn't love y'all. Trust me. Now, this is going to take seven hours of my day, but that's fine. Because I want to make sure that my people are educated and they're ready. They're ready for this fight, okay? Uh, next week, I'm going to get back into the REIT, uh, the TRAP process. Going to get back into that. In the next few weeks, I'll do that. That's that's the most important thing. And then we'll get into some other stuff, okay? But the 3996, picking a fight, right? Braveheart, William Wallace, Unite the Clans. <laughs> y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. Um, and I'll talk to y'all next Sunday, all right? Okay, bye-bye.